Below the Belt Show. Yeah. I'm Austin Butler, and I'm on Below the Belt Show. Nice. The Below the Belt Show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the Bad Boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. That's right, guys. It's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt. In the Mother Effing House, I'm your host, Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto, your host with the most here for your weekly pleasure, guys. We have an incredible show, as per usual, from top to, to bottom. And another thing that makes this show particularly special, our entire panel are actors and all Screen Actors Guild actors. That's right. The premier club i'd like to say i call it the cool kids club here on btv um and i I, you know obviously encourage a lot of non-union folks to join the cool club but some people don't want to budge but nonetheless these guys budged (laughs) and let's go ahead and start by introducing the illustrious panel starting with that's right affectionately known as vinnie mac you might have seen him in billions wonder woman 1984 the end game and uh, more many more awesome projects vinnie mac vince eisenson welcome to btb it's good to be back thank you al and i'm not yes. wearing a belt so there's uh <laughs> i hope that's okay no belt today well yeah. <laughs> it is called below the belt show but uh you know we like to hit them below the belt right there you go <laughs> and also joining us back on btb Another member of the Cool Kids Club, recently joined on the Cool Kids Club, right? <laughs> Actor extraordinaire and your friendly law enforcement officer. Uh, you might have seen him in episode one of We Own This City on HBO and HBO Max. Guys, it's Victor Dobro. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, Vic, good to have you uh, back on BTB. Um, we have uh, an incredible show, guys, from top to bottom like we always do on BTB. And uh, because we have a couple other panelists joining, I'm gonna save the topic when they join, but uh, the topic is all about auditioning because uh, us actors have been uh, auditioning for many projects, TV shows, co-stars, movies, commercials, industrials, PSAs, uh, live events, the list, <laughs> the list goes on and on. It never stops. Yeah, but we do have two more thespians joining us uh, to talk about, so I wanna save, a little bit about that, but I did want to shine the spotlight on both of you um, for your incredible work on television because I believe you guys were on television the same night, correct? 
That is I mean, correct. How, yeah. how cool I mean, is that? <laughs> I don't know. He he's got like Monday through uh, Saturday. Oh, he's got Monday. <laughs> he's got Tuesday through Sunday, and I get Mondays, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I remember. I remember the the season premiere of We Own This City uh, was on a Monday. Yeah. And yeah. Vincent's episode of The End Game was on Monday as well. And um, of course, We Own the City, 9 p.m. The End Game, 10 p.m. So nothing really overlaps. You can basically get a double dose of Vince and Victor uh, on that particular night. <laughs> if you were so inclined, you could have done that. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying it's my fault, but The End Game was canceled shortly after. Uh, uh, <laughs> But, you know, it it was fun. And We Own the City was great. At least the episodes I've seen have been great. Fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I guess we should introduce our uh, upcoming guest on BTB. He's a veteran actor. Um, and he's been in he's such he has such an amazing body of work. Uh, actor Ken Arnold, still representing the DMV, keeps it humble, but still is a booking machine, um, has a recurring role on We Own the City. Um, so he's going to talk a little bit more about We Own This City. But really quick, I just want to pivot back to the end game. And you mentioned, sadly, it had been canceled. Um, I don't know what they're thinking, man. I mean, I, you know, it kind of sucks to be associated with the episode <laughs> prior <laughs> I to wasn't the last episode. Yeah, it was one more. I was in the penultimate. Okay. And frankly, you know what? I the, the ratings were not good. So even when I went to my costume fitting, part of me was scared they were going to pull the plug before they even shot my episode. <laughs> So I was just grateful to get it shot, to get it out there, and to be a part of a season one show. That's okay. I mean, some shows don't even get past the pilot. I've been in pilots that were never picked up. So I'm just thankful it aired and yeah. some people saw it. And it was fun. A lot of people saw it, uh, but obviously not enough to keep the show uh, renewed yeah. for a second season. But um, how did you how did you like your experience on set? I mean, you're shooting in New York City. It's the greatest city on earth, arguably. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and you are a snow operative? Um, snow white I, operative. Snow yeah. white operative. What is that? So, you know, briefly, a bunch of people rob these banks and take people hostage. And we don't know why until kind of the end, or at least the end of the first season. But, you know, I was a bank robber, more or less. And it was weird because I was excited to do it, but... Based on the script, I knew I was going to have to wear a mask the whole time. Right. So it's like, I'm excited, but I'm also like, ah, one line with a mask. That, that kinda, and you're thinking kind of like CRM vibes that Victor was involved yeah. in. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, walking them all beyond. You're thinking, oh, exactly. You know. And right. then, you know, some, sometimes the, the ball rolls your way or whatever the metaphor right. is. But I get there and they say, first off, they're like, yeah, we need you guys to take the masks off when you surrender. So I'm like, okay, good. I get a little FaceTime. Yeah. Yeah. And then the scene, the director's like, yeah, we need something more. Let's give you a few more lines, which you know, every actor loves to hear that. <laughs> so a one line masked role became, you know, three lines. Yes. And then a few weeks later, they called me back again to go record an extra line. So. So you had ADR. I did ADR for the first wow. time. I'd never done that. Yeah. How cool um, is that? Wow. So very, cool. very cool. Yeah. So you never know. No you role is as small as you think. It, you never know. Right, right. And, and Victor, you, um, we talked about your episode of We Own the City, but you actually appeared in episode five as well. Yeah, it was uh, basically background. But uh, right. it was in, in focus, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But I have a friend that I actually recruited to the show. He's a police officer, and he's never acted before. 
he was mm-hmm. lucky he got on set he was in a he was in a scene in the first um, episode and they they focused on him and as the camera passed him you hear a voiceover basically uh like an adr mm-hmm. so i don't know if that was supposed to be his voice but I, I told him how fortunate he was to be like in focus and i don't know if all you know filmmakers you know directors you know uh director of photographer fee if they all do that um but like kind of the style where you're shooting something and it might be like a medium shot or even a wide shot, mm-hmm. but then the camera is really focusing on something in the background, you know, mm. crisp and clear, like it's featured. Right. So they kind of did that with my friend Jay Choi, uh, tall, handsome, Asian, real police officer um, in, in the um, in the detective's offices. But then uh, they kind of did that with me. And I kind of figured I'd be on screen because I was with Josh Charles. And I'm thinking there's no way they're going to have him here today <laughs> or like for this scene and not have the camera. I mean, how do you have like a, I mean, how do you have like a, a big actor, like not be on camera during yeah. the scene? So yeah. it's like, you got to, I guess, show everybody at least. So I was like, eh. yeah. And he even told me, he's like, cause I was going to, I was going to, you know, pull security and do what I would really do by hanging out on the other side of the car, maybe. <laughs> and he, he told me, he goes, ah, you might want to hang out by me if you want to get on camera. <laughs> There you go. That's what I'm saying. Like you really, you really don't know how they're gonna, um, uh, you know, block. They call it block, block the scene. They don't, you don't know how necessarily how where you're gonna stand exactly, but you kind of figure it out. But you know, thank you, Josh Charles, for helping me figure out. Unless you're one of those camera hogs that likes to intentionally put themselves in front of camera. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we know we all know background actors that do that too. (laughs) That's neither here nor there. And I want to save a little more. Uh, we in the city talk when uh, yeah. Ken Arnold, that's right, the legend uh, here in the DMV, uh, joins us a little bit later on this program. He's also got a new movie called A Comedy of Horrors, Volume One, which I believe a lot of us uh, got to check out. So um, we'll be talking about that film as well. So I think we should throw out a couple things going on in the world of entertainment because as actors, that is what we do, man. We are. We talk about the things, uh, the projects, the films that we should be a part of, right? Heck yeah. Heck yeah. <laughs> right here on Below the Belt Show. So here is the Hollywood News. Hmm. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. That's right. That's Benjamin Joel representing the DMV. All right. <clears throat> so let's start with the uh, movie stuff, man, um, as we always like to do with um, uh, here uh, on BTV. Um, all right. <clears throat> so um, Top Gun Maverick is going to be the big movie, guys. Um, it's uh, slated to be the number one movie over the weekend. Um and it's expected to generate a blockbuster 85 million to 100 million over the Memorial weekend and through uh, Memorial Day on Monday. And of course, this is a lot of has to do with the nostalgia factor and the fact that it's such a beloved franchise and the fact that it's gotten really phenomenal reviews, both um, the critics reviews and, of course, a standing ovation at the Cannes Film Festival, guys. Are you excited about Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was at the mall today. I was Googling, like, <clears throat> nearest movie theater. I want, I went in on it. And then I hear people are, are checking it out already. And I just, right. I, I guess I put two and two together. It was, like, what do you call it, the 
the uh, pre-screening or whatever you call it, early release. But um, yeah, you know, some of these some of these movie theaters have closed. Others they're telling me not till Friday. So I was like, ah, I'll just yeah. go get my missions done then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So that's expected to be the number one movie, but. Doctor Strange, still the number one movie now, and that's, of course, prior to Top Gun at the theaters. Um, and Doctor Strange, um, of course, Downton Abbey failed to unseat um, Doctor Strange, um, which is no surprise there. I mean, I think Downton Abbey has just a very niche audience. It's a very, um, you know, specific uh, type of audience that like to go see Downton Abbey, uh, even though I did enjoy it, and we talked about that last week. But there's no surprise there uh, that the number two movie was Downton Abbey and that Doctor Strange retains its number one spot. The bad guys, Sonic the Hedgehog and, and uh, ex-Machina director's latest movie, Men, uh, round up the top five at the box office. So um, <clears throat> so we'll have to see how Top Gun fares. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure it will probably be the number one movie. Um but, you know, surprises have happened. Um, but uh, we actually have one more actor to announce. As he just, <laughs> he just left the, oh, he ran away. Yeah. <laughs> as he just ran away. Um, but, yes, that's right, guys. He is representing Los Angeles, also representing the Screen Actors Guild, uh, a longtime friend of B2B, a fellow podcaster. He's a filmmaker. He's a writer. Um, my God, the list goes on and on. Art Hall, welcome to BTV. Hey, what's up? How's it going? <laughs> good, good to have you, man. That's good to be here. Yeah, man. Um, Art representing the West Coast, uh, as some people call it the best coast, but you know that's arguable, of course, right? <laughs> some people call it California, so you never know. <laughs> Art, good to have you on BTV, of course, representing um, the great podcasts. Of course, subversive cinema, and that was disappointing. And um, for oh, um, I, I think you're putting you're gilding the lily a bit here, but you know, yeah. well, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for those that are uh, new to hearing both those podcasts, are give us a little bit of a little synopsis of both. Uh, sure, that was disappointing. Is uh, just me and this uh, co-host of mine, Joe, sort of bullshitting around with. Uh, our friends, uh, old and new, talking about current topics, old topics, nonsensical things, and uh, just any sort of jackassery. <laughs> and like exactly. Ju- you know, we took a page out of your book. Thank and you. And Subversive Cinema is a show that I do by myself where I have a rotating group of guests who come in to watch and talk about weird, wacky, and just downright wrong movies. So I like to talk about the fringe of cinema. Uh, sometimes there's some mainstream things in there, but for the most part, it's usually the off the beaten path films. So, yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes you have really like <clears throat> cult classics, maybe that weren't box office smashes. Um, and then you have some really just off the wall, crazy horror films. And sometimes you have a, uh, an occasional palm d'or from the <laughs> yeah, well, not yet. We're going to we're going to in season three. So, OK, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Actually, uh, I guess so, two. Well, no, I'm trying to think. There might be two movies that are at least they did pretty well at that con. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. I'm guessing David Cronenberg is involved. You are correct. That's one of them. <laughs> one of them, yeah. We're going to get into that amazing movie that uh, definitely got waves when I get to the can stuff. Um, but really quick, let's talk about the Marvel uh, Love and Thunder trailer. Um, I'm really excited for this, guys. Uh, you know, it's going to be in theaters on July 8th. 
we got a glimpse of, of Christian Bale as the villain Gord the God Butcher. What looks a weird. Crazy, <laughs> yeah, looks weird. What a crazy looking uh, character and such a oh my god, such a such a dark name, a god butcher. And this guy They're running out of uh, god guy names. Yeah. <laughs> it is. And this is gonna be uh, directed by Taika Watiti, so you know it's in good hands, you know? Because he did a great job with the previous uh, Thor Ragnarok movie. Um and um it's gonna follow um the fall of asgard and the events of endgame and we're going to see the the guardians of the galaxy come back as well and guys i thought it was a phenomenal trail did anyone get a chance to check it out yeah i'm down to drop no drama (laughs) yeah i i uh i mean i'm in for christian bale either way but i love that it sounds like he's getting to use his his welsh accent and it looks cool. He's not like hidden in CGI and stuff. So I'm I am down. It's funny because um, <clears throat> that's Batman. I think, I think to I be think a Batman god, you have guy. to have a Welsh, a British, English, Irish accent. I think because you know, <clears throat> you know, of course, you know. Well, I guess with the exception of yeah, Australian, I'll add, Austra- add Australian to the list because uh, <laughs> Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth, is actually uh, Australian. That's true. Yeah. That's so. True. Uh, I don't think there's many American gods, but you know. <laughs> well, there's an entire show about it, actually. So you're right. There is an entire show about uh, it. On, uh, yes, yeah. Chris, uh, um, Neil Gaiman's American Gods. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Um, and this is talk about obscure, obscure characters uh, in Marvel. Uh, they just announced um, Celeste O'Connor from Ghostbusters Afterlife will be joining the cast of Madam Web. And this is a clairvoyant precognitive mutant. Um, she's an elderly woman with a neuromuscular disease that forces her to, to be connected to a life support system that resembles a spider's web. Um, and uh, Dakota Johnson uh, is going to be in the cast. Um, I doubt she's playing the old woman. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> I can't imagine that unless she's going to play the younger version of Madam Web. Um, but they didn't really announce a, an older, older character um, or actor that's going to be uh, portraying um, Madame Webb herself. But, um, and you know, you got to have some star power because this is a very obscure character. I mean, Moon Knight, another obscure character. But, of course, you know, you have, you have Oscar Isaac, you know, who's, who's absolutely amazing. He did a great job in that role. Um and uh, this is what I'm really looking forward to. Number three on my list is Margot Robbie. Uh, as you know, she's one of my favorites <laughs> for obvious She's reasons. a good, good friend of yours. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's a good friend of yours. Friend of the show, right? Friend of the friend show. Of the show. <laughs> we rubbed elbows on a couple red carpets, but nonetheless. Uh, uh, but was she yeah, fair? I never or... washed my elbow. <laughs> she was fair. She's fair. Uh, she's actually going to be in a um, – She's going to be uh, in the prequel for Ocean's Eleven. Hmm. Uh, so that's another. Um, I didn't, I mean, I'm sorry. There's a prequel to Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. So what number would that be? That would. Have I was going to gonna say there's clearly a dumb joke there, right? Ocean's. Yeah, it's got to be negative one, right? Because they did oh, eight. Ten, but so. You know, oh, or she's zero. A 10. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, she's a ten. There you go. Oh hey oh there's so many God I love it I didn't even know that was happening so it, interesting okay. Yeah. So, uh, again, a heist comedy about uh, con artists who rob hundreds of millions from a Las Vegas casino. 
and still in development at Warner Brothers. Um, but yeah, um, Jay Roach is um, directing the film. So as you know, he directed Margot Robbie in Bombshell, the Fox mm-hmm. News uh, film, which was a, a great film. If you haven't gotten to check that out. Uh, speaking of casting news, more um, stars added to uh, the Fast X movie. That's the 10th Fast and Furious movie. Um, Rita Moreno. <laughs> You're shaking your head, Victor. Not a fan of the no. <laughs> I mean, I, it's just getting ridiculous. <laughs> I think they're finally putting it to an end with the uh, Fast 11. But think, uh, yeah. think so? <laughs> I'm sure they have more shit to drive cars off of or into in crate. Like out Look, of, out of until space, they throw a really? car into like, space, a la te- uh, you know, a la Elon Musk, then they still have they, runway. I think they did. Did they, they did. really? Oh Jesus! I, I've never watched any of them. Yeah, so. like, that's how ridiculous this is. Like, I, I, like, come on! Like after the third one, I was like, all right, that's enough. <laughs> well, yeah, no, the third was the last uh, realistic film, and then it just went a completely different direction. See, that's why. Film. Yeah, I, I like to be based in some type of reality. Reality, of course. <laughs> and this is Fast Ten, of course. Um, well, let's see. Rita Moreno joined the cast uh, to play to play. <laughs> Vin <laughs> Diesel's Vin, mom is Vin Diesel's mother. Yeah. Oh, actually, right, grandmother, grandmother. Grandmother. Wow. It's all about fam, family. Vin Diesel's yeah. already like sixty years old. You know, it should be the mother. I, right? I like to picture him on the on the yacht, like with his shirt off, just chilling, rubbing his tummy. Like, yeah. It's, it's like a great meme. You know what I mean? <laughs> it is a great meme. Uh, Scott Eastwood also uh, set to reprise his role as Little Nobody. Uh, in Fastest as well, and as we already mentioned, Jason Momoa, uh, his talents will be in that film as well. Um, here's an interesting one. I think John Travolta is really trying to make a, a comeback. Um, you know, he's been in a couple uh, dumpster fire films lately, but uh, um, let's see how he does with this new upcoming film he's doing called American Metal. Um, so Travolta teams up with Steven Dorf. And it's uh, directed by a first-time director, okay, hmm, interesting, named Nicholas Maggio. Story of a desperate and struggling family man who robs a pill mill. Mm. Wow. Okay. Um, and, of course, uh, finds himself being hunted by police and the mafia. Um, Kevin Dillon from Entourage, Ashley Benson, Shiloh Fernandez also comprise that cast as well. Um, speaking of a pharma... Number six on my list is Morgan Freeman and Josh Hutcherson in 57 Seconds. It's a thriller based in the world of tech and big pharma. Interesting. Uh, Basically, a tech blogger lands a career-defining interview with a visionary technology guru, Anton Burrell, played by Morgan Freeman. And after affording an attack against the uh, technophile, uh, Franklin picks up a mysterious ring. That barrel is dropped and soon discovers the ring allows its possessor to travel 57 seconds into the past. What would you what would each of you do if you could if you could take time back 57 seconds? Is there, is there a specific moment um, that you all could think of that you'd like to that you can think of? That you'd like 57 to seconds, 57 seconds. So it's got to be something quick. And you can't keep re-upping on that. You got to You can re-up. One. Does anything come to mind that you just missed by by by, by seconds that you can think of? Oh, gosh. <laughs> like you can only go back. So you're saying we're answering this question. If we could 
if we could go back to like say name a point in time where if we had the power we would have avoided things right not like right right now but but you can't do it like years or months it's got to be 57 seconds so it's got to be something right that... before i agreed to come onto this thing <laughs> <laughs> Buzzing. I, mean, I, would, I would go to a casino or something yeah actually that's a that's victor you, you, can't, you, can't, the idea. you can't play the lottery well i mean the, the lottery shuts down at a certain day right so you'd have to wait two days Right. But if it's only 57 seconds, then, I mean, you can, you know, you, you would know what's being called and all that stuff. I don't know. No, that's a great idea, though. You would go to a casino. Here's the question, Al. So is it exactly 57 seconds or can it be anywhere within that range? I would give it like, yeah, I mean, a minute, you know. Well, I, mean, like, of, no, I mean, like, could you go back? Could you choose, like, say, oh, I only need to go back five seconds this time? I got five. How about the best orgasm of your life? And then you have to just have that whole experience again. So we're like, that was the best minute of my life. Or make that a minute and 57 seconds. What was it? <laughs> I'm not going to put a very bad spot. But no, it'd, be, it'd be like, that actually be like 30 seconds plus 57 seconds. So there you I don't go. know how that works I guess I would uh, say my my time on the red carpet with Margot Robbie. I would just keep keep uh, keep replaying it. Yeah, just a loop, a loop. <laughs> well, I actually lived with her. She she has no idea, but like I, we lived together on the red carpet for like a year and a half. So right. I have, yeah, exactly. I've lived with you for a decade, and you don't even know, and you keep forgetting every time. It sounds like a bad Adam Sandler movie. With, uh, oh. the, the, the chick in the, on the Hawaiian island. What's her name? Drew Barrymore. Vince, can you think of something? You know, I, I was trying to think. I I never make mistakes that quickly. Because if oh, I oh, wow, <laughs> no, I mean I've I've sent many wow. a like, oh, I didn't mean to send that email. Can we fix this? Right. But it's hard to think to narrow it down <laughs> to a minute. Actually, you know what? Yes, I do. I do. Okay. I, I would have I would have handled the situation differently if I just had that extra minute to think about it. Uh -oh. It was job related. It's not exciting, but I, I turned down a job and I shouldn't have. And there an was no job. It was an acting job. Yeah. And there was no way to. Uh, I don't think there was any way uh, to get undo it. To undo, undo it. Un yeah. Unring the bell. I couldn't unring. <laughs> was it bell. was it because of the nudity or. <laughs> I always say yes to that. That's never a problem. See, that's what I was going to say. The rule is always say yes. It's fine. Yeah, right. I, I, I told an agency that the other day. They're like, oh, would you do nudity? I was like, yes. And like, before, I, <laughs> before I could even think about it. But I'm like, would re anyone really want to see you nude? Like, uh, okay. You know what? Market for everything, my friend. Market for everything. There it is. There and, it then, is. and then they said, uh, same sex. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I can pull that off. <laughs> I'm like, I don't you want don't to, have to pull it off. No. Somebody else will do that. I was gonna say yeah, you yeah, also yeah. you don't have to, but also remember, <laughs> hey, it's not porno. It's just, <laughs> you know, it's like, not oh, happening I, for real. Although Art, I think I gave like the politically correct answer of like, oh, wherever people want to see me in whatever role, yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. <laughs> Although Art, wait till I cross that bridge. You did do an indie film about porn, right, Art? Uh, yes, I did. And uh, there was barely any nudity in it, which is uh, nice. really, true, really the true wonder of that experience. Yeah. So. <laughs> Couldn't get that, that's called the old rope-a-dope. And I don't think anyone uh, could agree to it for copy credit and meals, right? Not today. No. no I mean, well, I, back then, like, 
<laughs> you might there have been are some parts of the country that I could go to now that I'm sure there would be some people I could totally dope into that, but uh, not, <laughs> not today. No, not in most places. <laughs> Good no. old copy credit and meals, guys. <laughs> hey, man. Yeah, you, you get none of the above. <laughs> you will get All no. Right. You'll get dollar menu, and I'll see if I remember to put you in the credits. <laughs> All right. Um, I want to get the can really quick before uh, Kenny joins us. Um, number seven on my list. What an icon, Christopher Lloyd, set to join Simon Pegg and Mini Driver. This is a great cast already. A dark comedy called Nandor Fodor and the Talking Mongoose. That sounds like something from like um a, like a Disney reject pile. It know? sounds like a kids movie from DreamWorks, is what it right, sounds like. Right? Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So basically, it's a parapsychologist um, where uh, uh, Simon Pegg plays a doctor who has who was a leading authority on poltergeists, hauntings, um, and other paranormal phenomena in the 1930s. Um, so, uh, and allegedly a talking mongoose that inhabited the home of a family uh, on the Isle of Man and attracted many ghost hunters. Okay, talking mongoose, guys. Ricky tiki Tavi, <laughs> baby. <laughs> so, uh, number eight on my list is the Cannes Film Festival. Um, your jaw dropped, Vince, when you heard the opening promo. It did. Yes. I, heard, I didn't hear all of it. I just heard his name. I was like, That's where right. did you get that? A few years ago, a little-known actor by the name of Austin Butler interviewed with us to talk about his movie, Shannara Chronicles. And here we are, maybe five years later, he is Elvis Presley in the Elvis biopic at the Cannes Film Festival. Ah. Uh, and... Um, Wow. Um, apparently, there was a 12-minute standing ovation, the longest of this year's festival so far. And <clears throat> apparently, that's how you measure how great a film is at Cannes, is how long the audience applauds for a film. And it's also only a Cannes where this happens. Exactly. Like, never really? in any other film festival in the history of film festivals <laughs> do people stand up for 10 fucking minutes and clap at a movie. It just doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, why, like, why do you like think Shia LaBeouf, except a bunch of a room full of them, you know? Yeah, yeah. why do you think uh, Cannes Film Festival uh, took claim to them? Because they're French. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I think it's so cool, though. I mean, you know, it's kind of a cool measure. Is it just the longer the credits, the longer they're going to stand? Oh, Is that's a good point. <laughs> Actually, yeah. Do they just only stand during the credit sequence to clap? Because if, that, if so, I mean, if you have longer credits, credits boom, there you go. <laughs> you have a longer applause, right? Yep. Um, but I do. I saw the trailer, and I gotta admit, dude, Austin Butler did an incredible job, as far as what I can see in the trailer. No, yeah. the trailer looks pretty dope. I'm not gonna lie about that. But it's also yeah. Boz Lerman, and he can go either way with me. Boz Lerman. Yeah, yeah. What is uh, uh, Boz Lerman's other claims to fame? Uh, well, he did Romeo and Juliet, right? Uh, he oh. also did um, uh, shit, shit. Did he do um, Moulin Rouge? Moulin Rouge, right? Yes. So he knows the musicals. Yeah, Australia. He also did. Did he do? Um, oh, fuck. What's it called? Um, Was it Topsy Turvy? Did he do? I don't remember. Man, I yeah. got. Where's my IMDb when I need it? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's done a lot. I but mean, a lot of great actors. Didn't he also accolades. do uh, The Great Gatsby? Yes. Yes, he did. Yeah. Oh, The Great Gatsby was so good. I enjoyed that one. Um, yeah, Tom Hanks is Colonel Tom Parker. Olivia DeGeorge is Priscilla. I'm curious why they didn't cast Riley Keough who is uh, Priscilla Presley's actual granddaughter. granddaughter. 
Yeah, that's you know? a good question. Huh. You know, and she's a, around the same age, roughly, as Austin Butler. It would have worked out really well, but I guess they went in a different direction, as as they say in casting. We went in a different direction. direction. I yeah. fucking hate that. Casting. I was gonna say you heard that more than a couple times. I have. <laughs> well, because the only direction they went in is not you. That's all that means. <laughs> How can you not take been, that personally? That's a great You've way to put it. I love it. <laughs> it's horrible. It's the worst. Um, does that mean? Does that mean I'm I'm being unpinned? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Wait till they say the catchphrase first before you. Um, but someone mentioned David Cronenberg, like Crimes of the Future. That also got a standing O at um, Cannes. Master of Body Horror is back with it. That's what I'm hearing. Now, does that film fall under subversive cinema? Oh, absolutely. Based on that's, the trailer. That's old school Cronenberg. Yes. He went away from that for a while with, you know, um, Dangerous Method, Eastern Promises, History of Violence, stuff like that. Right. But I like all those other movies, too. But now we're getting back to basics where it's just like he's just going to do some, you know, Videodrome sort of weird shit existence. It's, it's, it, right. I'm sure it's going to be dope. I can't wait to see it. It looks amazing. Amazing. Um, there's also another... Um, Film called Armageddon Time with Anne Hathaway and Jeremy Strong. Um, it's a semi-autobiographical film about 1980s Queen stars uh, Banks, Rapetta, and Jalen Webb. Um, and a strong, solid Jewish couple with dreams of upward mobility. Um, on paper, it doesn't sound too exciting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, ah, uh, people who just want to do better. <laughs> Yay, good movie. Right. Yeah. Uh, apparently, Netflix is shelling um, a ton of money um, for certain movies that are screening in Cannes. Uh, one in particular is Pain Hustler. Um, it's a conspiracy theory. Sorry, it's a, comp- <laughs> a conspiracy thriller <laughs> that, <laughs> that unites Emily Blunt with and Harry Potter director David Yates. Okay, so... Um, Check that out. Uh, so that's going directly to Netflix. As you know, a lot of those movies like to go straight to Netflix, skip the theater um, and all that jazz. But um, there's going to be new um, requirements now for the Oscars. Um, mm-hmm. So apparently because of the pandemic, a lot of movies that went straight to streaming were considered for Oscar contention. Now they're um, changing that. And that the because of the well, lifted restrictions – and then a film has to be in theaters before it can be considered um, as an Oscar nominee. And I think that's fair. I mean, yeah, explains they're why, gonna, like, they're gonna, uh, yeah, they're going to take hustle three, in the what's that? They're going to take like three, uh, um, you know, theaters nationwide for just a weekend, pull it, and then go straight to streaming. Like, yeah, they'll do the bare minimum. They'll reach whatever <laughs> screens they need to do for whatever period of time to yeah. qualify. Right. But, you know, that that's also been done for ages with independent right. films where they're right. like right. your market section of their budget yeah. just to qualify. Right. And then they'll pull it as soon as they can, because they know no one's going to fucking pay money to see the movie. Yeah, so. yeah. You're right. That's like the hustle. I saw the, hustle trailer. the Oscar. Then everybody sees yeah. the movie. So the Gray Man and the Hustle trailers both said on Netflix and theaters, July, whatever. I mean. It's on Netflix. I'm not going to the theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because it's a concurrent release, that won't qualify. That movie oh, that won't qualify. qualify. I don't oh, think wow. it will qualify because it has to go to the theaters first, I believe. Oh, wow. 
Uh, I mean, unless it's a big, you know, fuck off adventure action movie, there's no reason to go see it in a theater. You know, like, why would you if you get it for free on streaming, why would you go to see it on the big screen if it's not going to have something that benefits from the big screen? You know, I don't know. I've heard of that movie, but I don't know what it's about. So the trailer looks pretty rad Mm. for Gray Man or Hustle. Yeah, Gray Man. Yeah, Gray Gray Man. Man. Hustle good. Yeah. Yeah. Hustle looks good, too, though. I want to see Hustle. Yeah, that was number eleven on my list as a Netflix oh, stuff. But yes, but that's okay. We can we can we can jump ahead. The Gray Man uh, apparently is a two hundred million budget uh, a movie that's going straight to Netflix. That's wow. that's that's the budget of a major movie that would be in theaters. But th- this one's going to uh, yeah, it's going to drop uh, on Netflix because Netflix got a ton of money. Um, and uh, it's Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans. So you got Actually, two hunk, you got Netflix two hunks is, there. So you're saying Netflix had a bunch of money, didn't their quarterly numbers come out they did horrible after they increased their subscription oh price. well yes they're they are hemorrhaging money they're firing people left and right they're yeah. slashing productions they got to still spending this <laughs> yeah yeah i mean they they better have a, some type of plan because whatever they, they were thinking of wasn't working apparently it was not working yes and that's um it's got but, your it's got your boo Ana de armas in it Oh, oh, I think a few of us are here are fans of Ana de Armas, aren't we? Right. Oh, and the Russo brothers, the guys behind all the Avenger tent poles. I mean, yeah, that's. I think it's in very good hands. And Victor, you had an encounter with Ana de Armas not too long ago. I, right? I was, I was close enough. I could smell her. <laughs> Does she smell like butterscotch and marmalade? Actually. I can't. I don't. I don't even think I signed an NDA, and I argued with the PAs on set, and I complained to the SAG, my SAG reps, uh, which, and they don't even care. But um, so you left a good impression, is what I'm hearing. No, I, I, I basically told all of Georgetown that I was never that I was done with background work. But um, I, don't, I, I had I, I basically had a director say, uh, "You guys are walking like really too close," and I was like, "Yeah, I I I know I am." But I mean, I don't, you just want me to stop and then like look up at the stars. <laughs> so is it true anyway, that you you've given up background work, much. Victor? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Really? I've it, yeah, I've announced it today. It's just I can't. It, there's such a big difference. I mean, there's a bunch of different reasons why, but That's um, completely acceptable. And here's something. It's, like it's like a whole other a whole other issue. We have time for it. And we have our, our next panelist, who's a star that. Ne- Clearly doesn't do background work, but <laughs> he is actor extraordinaire. He's a, a legend uh, in EMV. Uh, he's got a recurring role on HBO's We Own the City, guys. We're happy to I re- welcome. I recognize that side. <laughs> happy <laughs> to welcome Ken Arnold to BTB. Uh, Ken, good to have you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate sure. it. Oh. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, Ken, recurring role. How many episodes of We Own the City are you featured in? Uh, I think like eight, eight. He's on eight of them, I think. Yeah, there's only there's only six, but I'm in eight. So, yeah. <laughs> Man, they gave him extra that's, that's credit. Okay. Holy shit. That's right. They did. They did. Uh, I'm, I'm in four out of the six. Um, in the, the second one, I'm in it for just a hot minute and then I'm gone. So but the other the other three, uh, you know, I had I had some nice scenes uh, with Moonmi Musaku, who was amazing. Yes. And I'm just glad to work with her, man. She was so cool. So so awesome, and Ian Duff, of course, he, he was fantastic as well, and and everybody else I worked with, they were they were all great. So it was really nice. Awesome. Would you say this is one of your your highlighted roles to date? 
Um, yeah, I would. Uh, you know, uh, I'm getting people from, you know, all around the world actually sending me clips going, hey, I watched you on French TV today. You were speaking French. <laughs> I was like, well, send me a clip because I would love to hear that. I would love to hear me speak <laughs> French. That would be amazing. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, Did they get cool. somebody that's, that, that you would imagine sounds like you or was it one of those weird dubs where it's like a totally different voice? It's always yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah, it's always weird. You know, that, that happened on the Night Watchmen. I heard myself in German, and I was like, "Whoa!" Oh I would, my like, God. That was, you know, I speak German a little bit. Right. I was just like, "Whoa!" That's that's not that doesn't. But that's sound why like I me. can't watch these movies on Netflix when they're dubbed <laughs> back to English. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. I mean, they, fool, they fool you with the cover art and the plot. You're like, this looks really good. Yeah. The, the, the cinematography it all looks great. And then they, they start talking. You're like, oh, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> I'd rather them, them, them just speak their language and then I'll read the yeah. subtitles. <laughs> well, you well, get the thing... performances that way for sure. Yes. <laughs> one thing I have to say about We Own the City is giving a lot of uh, DMV based actors a chance to shine. Because usually a lot of these productions that come in, they're usually giving you co-stars. You know, they're not giving you opportunity to do more than a co-star, more than a more than a day player. Um, but We Own the City is an exception that, that, that actors based in, in the DMV have been given opportunities to be in a recurring multiple episodes. You know, it's been uh, fantastic. I mean, yeah. the guys from The Wire, David Simon and George Pelicanos, are, they, they want that local flavor. They want the yeah. local guys in it. And they want um, – and Victor knows this. That in some of the roles, they actually want real police officers to play those roles. Uh, Chris Anderson, you know, yeah. you know yep. he did a fantastic job. And uh, that's what they want. They want that real Baltimore feel. And uh, it's kind of nice that they, they do that for us here. I think that's great. How was the audition process uh, for landing your role? It was. You're, you're laughing, Victor. <laughs> it, the audition process was actually, it, it was really simple. Um, Pat Moran sent me a, a email, said, hey, put yourself on tape. Uh, here's the role we want you to audition for. I actually auditioned for the role that Chris Anderson got and a bunch of others. Um, and uh they wound up giving me the role that I got and, and I was more than happy to do it. Uh, it, you know, I put, I don't know, three different roles on tape and then they called me and said, Hey, we want to offer you this one. There was no callback or anything like that. And that was it. Yeah. Wow. No so. callback, no pin, just yes. offering you the yeah. role. There's a role. Hey, I, got, I got a question for you guys. When you, um, when you watch a movie and you know, who's, Say say you 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 uh you know you audition for multiple roles and then you you see how they get cast. Do you always go back like with hindsight twenty twenty? Because you always you always hear of people fans and actors saying they cast this the right way. I mean I can't imagine anyone else right. in, in in this role as this person than this guy. But I mean are we saying it because we saw it? <laughs> and, I mean we saw we saw the role and then then your your imagination can't imagine anybody else. Because, you know, when you watch We Own the City, try to think about all those characters now playing other different characters. It's like hard for your brain to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, yeah. Because, you kind of, because you've seen it and it's on mm -hmm. it's on tape, it's on film. And you're like, yeah, they, they did great. I can't imagine anyone else in these different roles. So that's kind of what I'm seeing. Like, like that, that's just kind of weird. Myself. One, one thing I, I think is great is, is seeing John Bernthal with the Baltimore accent. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's 
fantastic. I, I, yeah. and, and Josh Charles and so many other characters. Uh, <laughs> and it's so authentic. I think both Josh and uh, and John have ties to the DMV. But how do you guys feel, or Ken, how do you feel that uh, the show has portrayed the city of Baltimore? How do I feel? Um, you know, I think that they tried to be as fair as possible because this situation actually did happen, you know, and I know yes. the Baltimore police department is going to sit there and say, yeah, but we were on top of it or whatever, you know, and they're going to defend themselves obviously because that's what they have to do politically. But that stuff did happen. Stuff like that went on in the police department in Baltimore. And it's unfortunate. And it, it, it led to a lot of people getting hurt, a lot of people being arrested and, and a lot of bad things happened. So, I think what this show is doing, it's saying, hey, we made a mistake. Here's what happened. Now let's fix it. Right. Because there are a lot of good cops on the Baltimore police force. I'm telling Absolutely. you right now, I know some, I met some, I, I you know, and, and you know, I've been stopped by the police in Baltimore, too. Right. So, uh, you know, they're 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 doing their job and they're doing, you know, the best that they can do. A lot of these guys and and. Right. You know, John Bernthal said it on his radio interview in D.C. He did a D.C. radio interview, and I think it was posted on Facebook. And I listened to that, and he goes, look, he goes, we're not trying to make, you know, he goes, I respect the guys who put on the uniform. He goes, I respect, you know, the people who live in Baltimore. And there has to be a middle ground so we can figure yeah. this out and, ma and make it work. So, so, you know, the situations that happen didn't happen and it gets better and people communicate and the community gets better. That's what we need. Wow. So. And you were you were mentioned earlier, you work closely with one me, uh, Masako. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about just being her scene partner for it seems like a lot of your scenes were with her. All my scenes were with her. She's fantastic. Yeah. She's such a sweet um, woman, and she's fantastic. She's smart. She has an English accent. And yeah. So I think cool. that's wild. <laughs> yeah. And I was kind of geeking out because I, I'm a big Marvel fan, and yes. I love Loki. And of course, you know, she's Hunter yes. B-15, right? So, you know, I'm sitting there talking to her. I'm looking at her. I'm going... What was Owen Wilson? What was he that you know? What was he like to work with? And she was telling me all these stories from. She actually went to school with Hiddleston in in England. Oh wow! So they oh, knew wow. each other before then. So I was Dude, like, "You cool gotta trivia. be kidding me!" I was like, "That is so awesome!" And she's like, "Yeah, he's great, you know, and Owen's great." And I was like, "That's amazing because I'm sitting here. I'm one, you know, degree away from Loki, yeah. right?" Kevin, so, Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Now I know her. I know her character was kind of. Uh, fictionalized, but were you based on a real guy, Ken? No, 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 no. I was fictionalized as well. I was a conglomeration okay. of a bunch of of different people, and we own the city. Yeah, I there's there's no real Charlie Gibson. So. No Charlie Gibson. No there Charlie is a John Cluel, though. We know that. Yes, there are some of the characters. Yeah, yeah there are. Yeah. They are the real folk. That's so you couldn't really base your character off of any particular person, or did you think about any? Particular I, person in law enforcement that you could base your character off. I I was just like, what would Ken Arnold do in this situation? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So yeah. and here we are. So yeah. I love keep it, it simple, game. man. Keep it simple. You know. Well, uh, you know that's that's honestly something I think some people forget. It's like if you if you're not bringing yourself to it, you're doing a disservice in a way because you're yeah. saying this isn't a real person. I'm you know I wouldn't do this. Well, maybe you would. You know, in that situation, maybe you would do that. Yeah, maybe you would. And that, you know what, Vince? I see you sitting up there in the little tiny box in the corner. 
And I didn't That's what know, I see you doing. And I didn't realize it was you. <laughs> hey, how's it going? <laughs> it's going great. I was like, wait, there's a guy up in the corner. I couldn't see your name because I don't have my readers on. Yeah. And there you are. And That's I was that. like, yeah, how are you, man? Good. Doing well. Doing well. Hey. Awesome. Good uh, to this, see you. Good just to a suggestion. The large grid view is the best uh, view to see I everybody. Got, I've got four big boxes, and then Vince is up in the corner, like this little tiny box. Same thing here. You're a tiny box on mine. That's I that's know. the way it is. Don't you like <laughs> this peek behind the curtain? <laughs> Wait a minute. Large gallery. <laughs> There's everybody. Hey, Al, I want you to know we do this shit on on that was disappointing all the time where we start getting the nitty gritty of like Zoom and Zoom fuck ups. Uh, <laughs> it is magical. <laughs> I love it. Um, now what I, I want to know is how Ken is doing the Zoom function. His window. Like he'll zoom out and then he'll pop in. Like, how are you doing that? I, I'm actually running my camera and everything through uh, a program called Ecam Live. I do all my podcasting and live feeds through that, and I'm sending that feed to Skype. Ah, so, <laughs> look at that! And then look I can adjust the curtain again. Yeah, we got can, a few podcasters in here because we already talked to Ar about Art Hall's podcast. Ken, you got a podcast too that you kind of just shifted your Facebook Live show into a podcast, right? Yeah, we're still going to do the, the the live feeds, but uh, yeah, we've gotten to an interview format. Uh, Apple Teenies, the podcast, and um, we are bringing on guests and actors, musicians, uh, you know, everybody we who uh, will actually come on. Tom Selleck won't, but hopefully some other people will. <laughs> but um, damn it, Tom. Yes, that damn Tom. At the end of all our live shows, we say next week, Tom Selleck. <laughs> if his agent ever gets back to us and oh, and man. he never does so we never get you, Tom got, an, you got an actor from ozark which is one of my favorite shows uh, we did uh yeah. our first guest was kevin l johnson from ozark he plays sam dermody on uh yes. on the show and uh he was fantastic he got baptized this season i won't tell yes. you anything else about it but oh yeah. i was gonna we say please no spoilers we just got to the midway you point of the started? final season. okay <laughs> was, uh, is mckinley mckinley belcher still on there gondo you should ask him um yeah you know i would like to ask him to come on he would be great yeah i don't know fantastic. if he's still i kind of I, I didn't I, you haven't heard this story but i stuck my foot in my mouth but you know, when I first met him, I was like, oh, I love you on Ozark. It's great. You know, I like your character, everything. It's first season. And and then so like I followed a compliment up with, with like, oh, but didn't you die at the end of the season? And he's uh -huh. like, uh, no, actually, I'm, <laughs> I've been in every season since. And I was like, oh, uh, so I don't know what's worth. So like I probably just should have said anything, you know. That's <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. It's all okay, right. We should talk about another great film, uh, Comedy Horrors, Volume 1. And. Uh, a month or so ago, we had uh, a few of our cast members on, uh, and uh, I got to admit, wow, what an incredible anthology horror film, and I love you merged the two great genres of comedy and horror together, which you don't see very often, and um, yeah, let's talk about your film, because uh, I know you, you directed and wrote the first story, correct, Ken, and also acted in it? Yes. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't write it. Dan DeLuca wrote it. Um, ah, okay. it. It was my idea. I came up with the idea, and then he fleshed it out. Um, so yes, we we uh, kind of are co-writers on it. But um, yeah, I mean, that, this is how I always I always tell it to people. They're like, I go, Hey, did you see my movie? They're like, What's it called? I go, Comedy of Horrors Volume One. It's the dumbest movie we ever made. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's crazy. It's just dumb 
you know, it, it's just silliness and horror and fun. And that's what we wanted to do. We wanted to make people laugh. So, uh, you know, hopefully when you watched it, you were laughing and you enjoyed yourself because that's, you know, an hour and a half of, you know, regular life's hard enough. We know that, you know, right. and over the past few days, we really got to know that, you know, life is tough. Life is tough. So, Ooh, yeah. you know, if you can yeah. just sit down for an hour and a half and just forget about all those things and laugh a little bit. Mm. Then we did our job. You know, we did our job as filmmakers. We made you laugh. And that's that's my goal. You know, as, as an entertainer, as a creator, I'm after you watch something that I've done, I want you to walk away and say, yeah, you know, that was funny. And I, I, I was entertained. I enjoyed myself. You know? And I now, was Kat, entertained I want to well. know, is there any chance for your segment to be a feature? Clown Town? Yes. You know, if I had a budget to do it, I mean, even doing the short, we were so under budget on it. And I we wanted to do waste more than what we could actually afford to do, you know, because it's clown town. And in clown town, you got to have clown cars. You got to have clown people. <laughs> you got to have clown shoes. You got to have all the circusy kind of stuff everywhere. Right. Yes. And everything's got to be big and bright and bold. And, and we just didn't have that budget. So we we tried to pare it down and make it as real as we possibly could with clown makeup and the wigs and the noses and the big shoes. Um, but yeah, a, a feature, I would love to, I mean, we could, we could make that a feature, but I can tell you, I can tell yeah. you right now, cause you met, you weren't here earlier, but when I was talking about one of my podcasts, now I see now Al, that entire first segment is incredibly subversive because it flips all of your expectations upside down. Yes. Clowns. And I love the idea because it's the protagonist. Like, oh, a fucking creepy clown killing everybody. And the fact that it's a creepy <laughs> normal dude, that's just yes. wonderful. And it's like his name's fucking Todd. <laughs> it's just like it's great. It's great. But again, protagonists. They're usually the, the killers, the, the evil, you know, the sick, evil, you know, psychopathic uh the characters, but the clowns are the the protagonists, the good guy, the family guys, the sheriffs, you know. Yeah. And there's so cool. much more detail to mine with like, who is Todd? Why, why did he become who he was? Like, what's this whole, you know, system, mm -hmm. this ecosystem of normal people that are, it's, 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 there's a lot of little stuff in there. It's pretty cool. Did you know that, you know, when we, how we came up with that idea? No, we were filming the night watchman. <laughs> oh, your previous film, yes, exactly with the evil clowns, the scary clowns, right? The clown pyres, and we were we were sitting on set one day, and yeah, I don't know if you guys remember when the news there were all these scary clowns outside of mm. schools, yeah. right, yeah. in the woods, and there people were seeing them and reporting it all, and there was you know right. all across the country. Right. Well, I said to Dan, I was like, well, what if that scenario was flipped, and we made a movie based off of that? where it was a clown town and all the people <laughs> in it were clowns and there was a scary normal dude outside of all the schools and stuff. And they were trying, and that's how we came up with the idea. We wrote it down. And then when we came across, well, you know, we were like, you know, let's do a horror comedy anthology. We came across that idea again and we said, yeah, let's do that one. So, Hey, that's how we came up with that when nice. we were doing the night watchman. I love it. And you got four very distinct stories in one film yes uh all very uh different films which is what the goal was you know i when we went out and picked the directors to do this um i knew their sense of humor i knew what they were going to do um and I, I was like look you know give it send us a story 
and you know just send us a synopsis and each director sent us a handful um you know like three or four and we took a look at them and we were like all right run with this one do it you know flesh this one out do that one and then they sent them back in you know 20 pages we said keep it to 20 pages if you can some of them came in a little bit longer but we were like hey cut it out cut this out cut that out mm. you know we need it to be right around 20. and they did and they came back with some really cool stuff so and all filmmakers that i had worked with in the past so uh nick tucker out of san francisco i worked with him on an independent drama in 2005 and you know come 15 16 years later i said hey you want to direct a film and he's just like yeah i'm in so mm. you know and that that's how this business works right you meet people well you, you have know. a john bernthal story don't you of, of working with <laughs> him many moves I do have a John Bernthal story. Uh, so John Bernthal's first feature film was called Mary Mary. And um, it was shot at American University here in Washington, D.C. And uh, I'm in it. I play his subconscious. So if you, hold on one second. I'm just going to walk over. I have the poster on my wall right here. Let me see if I can grab it off the wall. That is so cool, dude. <clears throat> and it goes and it all comes full circle. And we own the city, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh. So I don't oh, know if shit. you guys Look can see that. this, but Mary, Mary, and lying on the couch is John Bernthal. That's oh, yeah. John lying on the couch. And I'm <laughs> I'm over here. This is me. Oh, uh, that's great. And I play part of his subconscious. And the other guy, we're like, we're like 1920s mobsters. And we're just always in his head and always, and we always pop up because he's uh, a little bit about the movie is he's uh, a hypochondriac. So every time he sleeps with a girl, he thinks he's got some weird sexually transmitted disease. <laughs> and we are in his head telling him. Flash, flashback. Yeah. We're like, dude. Flashback. Yeah, yeah exactly. Victor. <laughs> we're like, uh, dude, you need to go get yourself checked out. <laughs> you know, you might die. This one, you're going to die. You're going to die. So there are some cool clips on YouTube that uh, are out there that you could catch of the film. I saw I, one of the ones you posted. Yeah, cool. but I, I don't know where you can find the whole feature. I don't know if they ever released it out into the wild. It it it's a but good I'm sure film. You guys got copy and credit, right? Yeah, I mean, I got I, I got the DVD. I got the DVD of it. It's great. It's a good film. It's a great copy independent credit. film. You mentioned it to John when uh, when you're on set of We Own the City. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been in contact. John actually, when we did the Night Watchman, I called him up. And I said, Bud, man, we got this film and I got a role for you. Oh, wow. And he goes, he goes, well, when are you shooting? I said, well, we're getting ready. We're, you know, three weeks out. You know, we've already, we're in pre-production. We're three weeks out. He, um, he told me, he goes, look, he goes, I'm working on the accountant right now. He's, he was down in Atlanta working on. Oh, the yeah, with Ben Affleck. Yeah. Yes. So he couldn't do it. He said to me, he goes, look, can you, can you push it to later into the summer? And I was <laughs> like, nah, I can't, man. We already. We're already the train left the station. So, oh wow! Yeah, I, I really, if I could have, you know, I would have, I would have shut it down and been like, all right, we're shooting this summer because we got Burnthal. But it wasn't a big role, you know. It was so. right. You should, you should have just told John. I think we're gonna go in a different direction, John. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. Sorry, John. Happy to be yeah, gone we're going in a different direction. direction. We went, we went with Matt Servito, you know. There you go. <laughs> That's a video that you brought him up. He had a very, uh, very awesome uh, a story in uh, a comedy of horrors as well. And you, you shot that in Atlanta, right? Not he in did. Indy. 
Yeah, Matt, we uh, we let Matt uh, go down and work with his crew from uh, Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell. So um, that's on the Cartoon Network, and it's, oh, yeah. uh, you know, the uh, Adult Swim version of, you know, at night. Yeah. And uh, he shot that down there with his crew from that. So, uh, you know, we got Henry Zabrowski on it and Addie Weirich and, and, of course, Matt. And those guys are just, they're just fantastic, and they're funny. So we actually came up with that story on Matt's deck it, at the Jersey Shore. We were sitting, we went to his beach house for the weekend and we sat on his deck and we hashed out that idea. And then he took it and then he ran with it and he fleshed that out. Uh, but you that guys was all drunk. Yes, we were. <laughs> if you couldn't tell from the story. <laughs> I just imagine. Yes. Oh, yes. man, that is awesome. Wow. Of course, uh, the comedy parlors you can get on all your favorite streaming platforms, right? Mm -hmm. Amazon. Absolutely. Uh, I have the YouTube. list right I have the list right here. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> Remind us. <laughs> so it's on DirecTV, Cox Video On Demand, Comcast Video On Demand, In Demand, Cablevision, Charter, Vubiquity. That's a tricky one, Vubiquity. Wow. Rogers Canada, Shaw Canada, iTunes, Amazon Video On Demand, Microsoft, Google Play, uh, Voodoo, Fandango, YouTube, and uh, they'll be adding some as we go. So, wow. Wow. Yeah. So it's Holy been it's smokes. been pretty good. Yeah, we're getting a lot of good reviews. Uh, of course, you That's always good. get some where people are like, yeah, this movie sucked. You got some trolls, huh? <laughs> yeah. <Got some> trolls. <laughs> what are you going to do? I've seen student films better than this. Oh. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, I love those comments. It's like and yeah. none of those fuckers has ever tried to make a movie, which is the best part. <laughs> yeah, I think that was my mother. <laughs> oh, <whoa>. <laughs> <laughs> it was a fantastic, fantastic well none of those fuckers with all due respect so yeah <laughs> so it is a volume one does that mean uh, there will be a volume two of it if this one makes money sure yeah <laughs> then we can convince our investors to invest in the next one so. and john bernthal might be available too he might be i don't, I don't know <laughs> <laughs> love it now, um, we like to do something fun here. Every week we like to do a special topic, and this week the topic is auditions. And I want to go around the room, the virtual room that is, and talk about two aspects of your auditions. Of all the auditions you've done in your career, one, the most memorable, whether it's the funniest, the quirkiest, the oddest, the best, um, just the one that just, just resonates with you, whatever the reason, one audition, um, and maybe you necessarily book, maybe you didn't. Um, and the second audition, audition that you freaking wanted to book, didn't book, and you saw the motherfucker on TV, and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I know all of us here on the panel has had that experience. Yeah. Uh, uh, can, I, can I start with Vince? Oh, wow. <clears throat> well, I'm going to preface this. I have never... I'm never of the mind like, oh, I could have done better. I just, I don't. Yeah, well, it's not about that. It's not about that. You're, it, you're there's humble, too man. many. You're facts. lying. You're lying. You've Am told I lying? Me specifically. <laughs> have I told you? Oh, whoops. You said um, <laughs> it never. Will t it's always gonna be difficult. You know, you're always gonna second guess afterwards. So I'm gonna stop listening to you. I don't you know. I no, if I see somebody play a role that I auditioned for, I'm like, right. Good for them. They did it a different way, but um, right, right. hell, we own this city. I told Victor this. I I'll even say it. I auditioned for um, the role an actor named David Hammond got, and he was terrific. And I was like, I could not have done. He was yeah, very believable corrupt, in the, the part. 
corrupt FTO. You said they changed would, the name yeah, of the character. Exactly. I'm like that. He's such a better choice for that. I, so okay. I just don't. I don't. I'm not saying he's a better actor. I'm just saying he's a better choice <laughs> for that. Um, but let's Wait, see. Memorable. Yeah. I'm gonna go with. Um, there was one in New York I went up for. It was actually I think a historical film. It was this big monologue. I was maybe five lines into the monologue. The casting director gets a phone call. Oh. She takes it. And then I kind of paused. <laughs> and then she looks at me and she goes, no, just keep talking. Oh, yeah. talking. Oh, let's oh, no. And then she turned to the side and took her phone call. I was just like, mm. that, that tells you what you need mm. to know. Oh, there. no. <laughs> God. Didn't get the part either. Oh. oh, wow. Now, has there been one that just got away that you were dying to get? Um, there was one recently where it, they don't usually tell you how many people are in consideration, but for right. some reason they told me it is you and one other guy. It was for new Amsterdam. And when it's you and one other guy, come on, you get your hopes up. And then uh, a few days later they said it, it's the other guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Different direction, right? What can you do? What can you, you want do? me to take his knees out? Take him out. <laughs> So little Tanya Harding action going on. <laughs> right. There we going go. On. How about you, Victor? Victor, you haven't been uh, in SAG that long, but you've you've no. had some amazing auditions so far, yeah? Look, I could tell you my most uh, memorable one is my trivia. It, it's I booked a role based off of my first live audition ever as an actor. Like first live audition, and it was via Zoom, and it was for We Own the City, and it was <laughs> for Charlie Gibson. The role that that Kane got, so it's memorable <laughs> to me. And, and I mean, and that's why I say like, and I I text him or I, you know messaged him. I said uh, I couldn't have done it better myself. And, and I, I mean, what that what you're saying is, you did a great job. And, and, well, and, thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, for real. But the uh, I I'm still proud of myself for booking a role based off of an on audition, and it was my first ever audition. So like, that's my most memorable. Um, as far as like oddest, most profane, funniest, um, what I sent you guys the other day, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do these like commercial and modeling shoots. And I don't know, they, they tell you, be yourself, be funny, you know, they just, you know, do whatever, be quirky or whatever. And it's like, but there's no like script. And it's like, what do you want me to like, you want me to, you know, juggle, um, or, 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 or what, but like, you know, one of them was like, uh, act like you're screwing in a light bulb. How would you screw in a light bulb? I'm thinking, are you serious? Like I have to show you how I, so that I'm almost, con I'm, I'm condescending and I'm theatrical. So instead of just me being screwing in a light bulb, I'm like, I'm really screwing it in. Like, look at this. Oh, yeah. Screwing in a light bulb. Wow. I'm like, what do, what do they want from me? And I'm almost like mocking the, the casting director or person for, you know, so it's a, that's so a I good was, strategy, Victor. Yeah. I don't, I'm not, yeah. I'm not hundred percent sure that's the way to go with that. I don't care. Honestly, I don't care. You know, and I'm getting, I'm getting callbacks on some of them. So I'm like, I guess they like my smile. Cause you know what I do too, is I like, I'll show them a mean face er, and then I'll smile and I go, Hey, so I'm like, so they can see a, you know, cause they want to see a quarter, a three quarter of a full smile, you know, a side smile. I'm like, what is all this stuff? So anyway, it's like the auditions are ridiculous, but like, um, I'm still doing them for, for fun really. But, uh, auditions that I wish I would have booked and I can't even say it would have been uh, the one for we on the city, but, um, I, you know, it's like the local auditions where you may know people you're in the same circles. Like I'm, you know, there's some stuff I haven't booked that are like local, small, um, independent, low budget, whatever. 
in the past. And I'm like, man, like, you know, there was one where I put in for three roles, three different type roles or two, two. And the guy was like, Hey, or try the third one while you're at it. So I'm like, well, that's a good sign. You know, the guy wants me to try like three different ones and then I, like nothing back. And, 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 a, and a good friend of mine, another fellow actor said like, don't, don't worry. Don't, don't take it. You know, obviously don't, don't get too upset about it. But he was giving me advice saying that like sometimes with these local productions, they, um, they, they want to feel good about themselves, so they'll just audition tons and tons of people, but they kind of already yeah. know who, who they like. They like their friends. Wasting people's time. Yeah. yeah, so it's like you know some of that stuff. But you know, I, I did want to I do want to be a sheriff, and I and I did audition for one sheriff. And for me, it's kind of tough because I can't go out for the old older types, and I and I don't think I look like a rookie, whether it's a western sheriff or whatever. So I kind of have to stick with like 30s and 40s, you know you know, like senior sheriff, you know, senior officer, patrol officer, but not like a chief of police or, or a rookie, but that, that's it. I mean, I, I've been getting a lot of stuff that I've been auditioning for. And yeah, I heard you've been pinning a lot, Victor. Yeah. I, I... <laughs> Being pinned is a good thing. Yeah. You pinned yeah. him. You froze him with that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's froze. Wow. Jeez, well, let's, let's, watch your magic. He's, he's really not frozen. Who? We'll get back to Victor when he unfreezes. Uh, he was pinned. He pinned. Him. He was he pinned. pinned literally. Him. <laughs> now he can't move. Unpin him. Come on. Art yeah. Hall, you're out. You're out. Did you just, did you just me out? So Art Hall, I know that you you're in you're in Los Angeles. So I know you've had many auditions. Uh, what is the one that got away? And what is the craziest, <laughs> most number one you've ever had as well? Oh man, uh, I I wish that these stories were better. So uh, the one that got away. Um, the only, honestly, the only one that comes to mind that would be of any possible recognition to anybody was in um, that movie, um, some so and so and Dave need wedding dates or some shit like that. Yes, I love that, that movie. movie. And there was Kendrick. like a, a scene with a like a uh, one of the guys. I think Adam Devine's character. I, if I remember, it's been a while since I saw it, but I think he's the one who was the guy who like goes to bars and he's like the liquor provider or something like that. Yeah. And very early in the movie, like within the first five minutes, you see a bartender that he's trying to sell to something and it just doesn't work out. That character, that one is like the one I went in where oh my God, I read for it. Wow. And when I ended up watching the movie later, I was just like, okay, I can see why he got it. It's one of those really? things where I was like, I didn't think I did better. I was just like, I went and I did it a certain way. I mean, look, it's like a three-line part, four-line part. There's not a whole lot of latitude for you to really do some deep character mining. You know, you're just trying to be natural and normal. And right. he just happened to be a little bit more natural and normal within that particular world of existence that he had, which was he's a guy who's running a bar and he's busy dealing with this guy's bullshit. So it's, that's the only time that I can really uh, give that example. The the audition that sticks out to me that I really shit the bed was and you're not Amber Heard. The Amber Heard story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, I, it's so Whoops. funny because everybody's going to think I'm referencing that now. Whenever I use that, and I've been using that quote for years. Um, <laughs> there was a theater version of Cannibal the Musical coming to Hollywood, and they were oh, auditioning nice. people to do it. I love that movie so much. I went to audition. Look, I screwed up and it's on me. It's Cannibal the Musical. Yet, did I prepare a song? No, I did not. I thought it was just going to be a regular audition. So I show up. 
and they say, okay, so what are you going to read and what is your song? Oh, fuck, I need a song? I better step outside and remember what these songs are. Suffice to say, it was the worst bout of independent karaoke to a Trey Parker song you've ever seen with a basic... Uh, They didn't even have a piano accompanist because I didn't know. So I had to acapella a uh, song from Cannibal the Musical. And as I was going, I could just see all their faces. They just weren't having it. They're like, this asshole. Just (laughs) staring at me. And I kept going, and my heart died a little bit at each bar and each measure. And I I stopped, and I said, thank you. You don't need to say goodbye. I'm just going to go right now. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I did not get that call. Wow, that's really good. We're going to save Ken for last, but I guess I'll throw mine out. Um, Very similar to you, Art, one of my strangest – Odd auditions was uh, for um, a commercial uh, for a washed-up boy band, and we uh, our audition song was uh, Backstreet Boys' "Show Me the Meaning of Being Lonely," Ooh. and I like to credit myself as an okay singer, but when they st- when they added choreographed dance to it, um, and we're talking Mr. Two Left Feet here. Uh, <laughs> It just it didn't it didn't work out way that well for the dancing. So I decided to go the extra measure and actually s- send them a tape of me not only lip syncing but actually singing the actual song. Uh, but nonetheless, didn't get. Do you that. still have that video? I do. That- I'll share it with you guys. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'll share with you guys one time. Yes. Uh, and the one that got away, guys. This is this one would have been a probably. Oh, this is one's really heartbreaking because. They had to search far and wide for a Filipino guy, I guess. I don't know. But they specifically needed a Filipino guy for this role. A security guard uh, for Shotgun Wedding, Jennifer Lopez's movie mm-hmm. with Josh Demel. Uh, previously, Army Hammer, but he got me too, so they replaced him with Josh Demel. And my um, scene partner uh, was Josh Demel, um, and Josh Demel was about to reveal the big surprise that he was going to do for his wife, Jennifer, or wife-to-be, Jennifer Lopez's character. And Art, I remember you uh, helped me audition for that role, didn't you? Oh, yes, I do remember that. That was yeah. the, uh, the the guard or whatever it was, right? The right. Night security man or something? And here I am, like, channeling my dad to try to talk with these Filipino accents. <laughs> doing all these steps, you know, to be very That's authentic. so racist. And, you know, because that's what they wanted. <laughs> this role was tailor-fucking-made for me. So the movie is not out yet. I don't know the bastard that got the role, uh, but uh, I would have been shooting in Dominican Republic. Um, <laughs> and nonetheless, mm-hmm. yeah, that is the one that got away, um, sadly. Ken Arnold, close out, close out the topic for us. Uh, okay. I, I mean, I could sit here and talk for hours about awful auditions and good auditions, but uh, I'll, I'll tell you one. So. I went to a commercial audition in uh, New York uh, and I get into the room and it's for a baseball player. Oh, what right? a stretch. Exactly. What a stretch, right? <laughs> so exactly. So I'm in there and it's the callback and I'm thinking, you know, this is going to be great. Mike Piazza's the, the guy in the commercial. Wow. I'm going to be working with him and I'm just oh, going to, wow. this is going to be great. Right. So I go in there and I do the audition and I'm thinking to myself, this is great. So, I do it and I'm done. And, you know, everybody's there. And this one woman sitting on the end, she's like, uh, you know, you're really good, but uh, you don't look enough like a baseball player. Oh, ouch. ouch. And I went, oh. I went, oh my God. I, I looked at her and I said, uh, you got my, I see you have my headshot right there. Turn it over and look at the special <laughs> skills section. 
And in bright, bold letters oh at the God. top of the special no, skills Ken. section, it says former <laughs> professional baseball player. Look, Ken, you should have switched your headshot to your uniform picture. Look, yes. you, when, See, her face, like, her face was just like, uh, that's and shame, I was shame, like, shame on you for not changing your headshot to, to wow. you in uniform from I here. Like, that's why I had, that's why I'd send so many people pictures of me in uniform. It's like they're they're looking for a cop. I'm going to show them a picture of me as a cop. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know, I don't. I, I just walked out of that room and was just like, oh well, whatever. You know, oh there's nothing God. I can do about that. But the one that got away, the one that That's got crazy. away, and I knew it, it was a stretch anyway, right? Transformers. Oh. I auditioned for Transformers. I auditioned for Witwicky's dad. And we yeah. all know who got that role, right? Oh, the guy hey. from Veep got it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, he was a few years older because this was almost 20 years ago. Like, it was wow. at least 15 years ago. Hmm. And did you, you fly know, to LA I, for the audition? I didn't have the big beard and all that. No, I was in New York. I, I drove up to New York for it. And I went up to New York and I, I had memorized. I had it on my radio. I was playing the lines over and over again. And I knew it inside and out and inside and out. And I get in the room and I sit down and the casting director says, all right, when are you ready? And I'm just st sitting there looking at him. Uh, and he's like, looking at me. And we're looking at each other. And he's like, looking at me. And he's like, uh, you, have the fucking the, worst. you have the first line. And I went, <laughs> and, it, it, and then my mind just went, boom, and just uh, blanked. Yeah. Oh, I wow. blanked. And I couldn't get, I, I could feel sweat starting to pour down my face. And I'm just looking at him and I'm just trying to struggle through this. It was so awful. So, so it was it's like the me. worst audition ever. I called uh, my agent after I got out of there on the way home. I'm not doing this shit anymore. I <laughs> my agent's like, calm down, calm down. It's going to be fine. Like, so oh, yeah, it's the worst. You never had like size in your, in your hands. I know like some. No, I did. I did. That. I did. But I panicked and it was just. It was a shit show. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that was. You know, you know who told me a similar story was uh, uh, Pete, Pete Garvey, one of my one of my acting hey. coaches. Hey. Said that like he hasn't had much success with some of these casting directors, and he said it's success in other areas. But he said he he did one for a for a well he did an audition for a well known casting director in the area, and it, same thing. It kind of his mind went blank. He couldn't recover. And they're like, oh, well, thank you for your time. <laughs> and he yeah. says he, he yeah. hasn't had luck since. And I was like, man, that sucks. Because this is like my coach, one, one of my coaches. He's, he's great. And I'm like, it oh, happens, man. man. It, it happens. happens I put I put way too much pressure on myself because it was Transformers. I knew yeah. going in, you know, I was like, oh, this is a game changer. You know, this could change everything. And just I just put too much pressure on myself. And I don't do that anymore. I just, uh, you know, uh, it, it, and one more quick one, I'll tell you. I did for Blue Bloods. And if anybody knows me, they know that I am a huge Tom Selleck fan. And I was auditioned for this role. It was a huge role. It was for a police officer. And I got I would be working with Tom. Wow. And I went up cool. and uh, there were two different roles they were had me reading for. And they when I got there, they said, look, it's the same scene for each guy. Right. So just oh, we're going to oh. combine it and it's going to be one character. Mm. And I'm like, cool. But I had two scripts and one was the other characters lines were all blacked out. <laughs> so I was like, mm, which one do I take in? You know, because I, and I knew it really well. I knew the lines really well. So I go in and the um, 
the reader was awful. She had an accent and I couldn't oh. hear her. Oh. And she was really low and just, and so we start and it's going great. And I'm like, yeah, man, oh man, I'm feeling it. I'm like, whoa, this is going to be good, man. I'm cruising. And then I get to a certain point in the script and I'm like, all right, I got the sides in my hand. So if something happens, I'll just look down. Well, guess what? I looked down and it was the character's lines who were blacked out. And I went, oh. <laughs> and I looked back up and I said, I'm sorry, can we, can we start again? She's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. No problem. So we do it again. And um, we're going, it's going again. It's going great. I'm like, oh man, that's what you got. Get to the same spot in the script. And my mind just, just can't get past this wall. And I get to it and I look down again and I'm like, it's blacked out. And I'm just standing there and I'm just sitting there. And the producer from the back of the room goes, the line is blah, blah, blah. And he spits it and he yells it. Oh my God. <laughs> he yells it. And I go like this. I look up and I go, I go. All right, I'm sorry I wasted everybody's time. Thank you very much. I'm out of here. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I walked out. Now self tapes has oh, helped wow. us. Uh, Guess what? Things like <laughs> Guess you got what? the part. They, they called me a week later. Yeah, I didn't get that part, but I got oh. a different one. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Yes, what a story, man. And I still got to work with Tom Selleck, and Tom Selleck was fantastic. He was a really oh, wow. good guy. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right, wow. This is we've been going on uh, quite a while already, uh, and. Uh, we gotta take a quick break, and we're gonna say uh, goodbye to Ken Arnold, uh, who's been amazing on our show, a mentor for many of us. He's a great coach as well. Actors Club, make sure you check it out. Uh, check out We Own This City on HBO, and of course, A Comedy of Horrors Volume One. Ken, thank you so much uh, for uh, joining us here on BTB. Thank you, guys. I I appreciate it, man. Anytime, I'll come back and sit here and chat, and I'll I got a oh, more love that. audition story. This is awesome. I finally get to meet Ken, kinda. Oh, <laughs> <We've> <laughs> me too. I well, think I've been in your house, Ken, but I don't know that we even met. So what? you were in my house. What? I was gonna say, does he know you were there, or what's going Wait on? Wait a second. Why is he in my I'm ninety percent sure uh, Bob uh, Bob Marshall had me over to record some promo, and I think it was at your house. Yes, that's true. I remember. <laughs> yeah, yes. but you were doing something. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, bet in your I house. do remember that. I do remember that. <laughs> Very cool. All right. All right. So. Thank you, Ken. Thanks, All right, guys. Thank you so Pleasure, much. Man. All right. And we also have to say goodbye to the West Coaster, Art Hall, who's uh, on Daddy Duty. That's right. Dad. So long, farewell. Alvita saying goodbye. I got a uh, 10-week-old who uh, my wow. wife is just about ready to pass off to me. So. Okay. <laughs> All right. Art Hall, I'm sure you get this, but, man, you gotta, you must play the announcer roles sometimes, right? I mean, you, you'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah. Never. Voice. Voice. <laughs> voice. He's, he's got that voice. I get it all the time, but I never get it. Yeah. All the time. It shows so. you what casting directors know. Gosh. Yeah. It does. It shows you. It's just like, ah, these sons of bitches. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Then. <laughs> Subversive cinema. That was disappointing. Um, and all your favorite podcast platforms. That's right. Subversive Cinema. That was disappointing. Apple, Google, Spotify, all that fun shit. Um, is Spotify still a thing or should we not talk about it? I don't know. Where do we fall on that one nowadays? I don't know. <laughs> or maybe that's a dated joke at this point. That was like, I don't know, a month or two oh, ago. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Remembering. Yeah. Controversy. Yeah. There you go. I, don't really I hope you hang out with us. Uh, we're going to take a classic cut break, bathroom break, fill your drink up break. Uh, as art does, we always have to have a spirit of beverage in hand. Yes. And for the classic cut, I decided to, because of the Top Gun movie, 
yeah. Maverick coming out to play a classic song from the first Top Gun movie, right? Right? So this is a uh, Kenny Loggins Danger Zone, guys. Yes. So this I'm is stick uh, around and dance while this happens. Yes. This is the marquee song from the Top Gun original soundtrack. And of course, a lot of us are really looking forward to this amazing um, sequel film, not reboot, guys, sequel film with Tom Cruise reprising his role as Maverick. So we're going to hear that, followed by a great interview I conducted at the a great interview I conducted at the Creative Coalition event uh, in DC. Actress Amy Shields from Twin Peaks. So we're going to hear that uh, brief interview, and we'll be right here back on BTB. Guys, we're here with Amy Shields, actress, beautiful actress, looking amazing on the red carpet. Yes, Camilla Berucci. Camilla Berucci, wow, okay. Here for the Creative Coalition Right to Bear Arts Gala event. Are you excited to be here as we trip over some purple carpet? Here at the red purple carpet. <laughs> yes, I am very excited to be here tonight. Nice. It's been a really fun weekend thus far. Oh yes, it's like the it's it's they call it nerd prom, but there's nothing really nerd it's not really nerdy about it. I think it's pretty damn cool. Awesome. I'm, I'm feeling this. Yeah, I yes. really want to stay here. Nerd yes. prom suits me. It's like the best prom ever. Yes. <laughs> Are you attending the dinner tomorrow night as well? Yes. And the pre and post parties. Yes. So there's a lot on this again. Love all that. Is there anyone you're, uh, in particular you're looking forward to meeting, Amy? You know, it's funny because I just, um, I, tonight I had to co MC an event for Chef Jose Andres. And when I was talking in it, I, I mentioned that my actual heroes, my real life heroes, are journalists and people who are going, yes. And well, so, means a lot to us. <laughs> yeah, but especially those who are going to war, to active war zones, and what they're doing right now, they're right. risking their lives and seeing things no human should ever have to see. And I don't know if they'll ever get over that. But seeing what they're doing to get us the truth is magical, and it's so generous. And I have met a few tonight, and I'm kind of fangirling because I'm a news junkie. So oh, nice. some of my favorites aren't here because they're actually at war. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, wow. I feel very privileged to be here. Wow. Yeah. Well. Very well. Uh, let's talk about your career. Um, uh, how happy were you to get the call to to uh, work on Twin Peaks, the the reboot? I guess a sequel reboot of sorts. Uh, it was actually yeah, it kept yeah, it was, it was a continuation. Yeah. I, it was a, it was a magical experience. I had been talking, my you know, I'd, I'd known about it for quite a long time, and then I wasn't allowed to speak about it until after it was aired. Right. So yeah, it was a magical experience to work with one of my favorite directors of all time. Nice, nice. Such a crazy fan base too beautiful people I mean the people who are fans of Twin Peaks are generally brainiacs and kind and they really are dedicated 
I mean, they're the ones who got it back going, you know? They, yeah. they lobbied for it. They went, no, 20 years, they well, wanted us to come back, and they're so nice. Will, will there be another season? Oh, I wish. Who yeah. knows? I mean, ask David. <laughs> I know, right? I think the fans want to see it for sure. Now, you mentioned off off uh, off the carpet that you wanted uh, something to promote. You had something that you wanted to talk well, about. You know what I mean, I've got a series right now. It's yes. a political drama called uh, Red Election. But I've also got a really cool podcast coming out. Yes, tell in us the about it. summer called Ammunition. And it's giving people ammunition to say that playing video games is good for your health. And I'm going to get every week give you another reason why. You can tell mommy or daddy or as a mother or father you don't want your kids to play. You can realize it's actually really good for you. And here's why. Oh, my God. Hand-eye coordination. Uh, hand dexterity. 21st century skills. Right? Community. There are games where uh, they've developed them for cancer kids. Right. Uh, patients where they the kids actually play the game where they're killing cancer cells. It's been proven to improve, improve their exactly. life. Yeah. There's a lot. So many great benefits there for sure. Some beautiful things and a lot of uh, untruths without sufficient data and people are just saying this and they believe it so I'm taking it all off and telling them the truth awesome wow the beautiful and talented Amy Shields thank you so much for talking with us here click on this alright that was the danger zone <laughs> Top Gun um, such a such a adrenaline rush of a song I heard that song earlier today I was getting my vehicle emissions done in my Hellcat and I was like I don't right. listen to some danger zone and I was blasting it that's <laughs> the perfect song I hope yeah. uh, the the new Top Gun movie has an equally uh, as good a soundtrack as the one we've heard um, and of course that was Amy Shields from the Creative Coalition pre White House Correspondents Dinner event who you can see on Twin Peaks the recent sequel um season all right <clears throat> we left we left off on netflix so i figured we can jump right back on there but uh anyone a stranger things fan they actually just dropped the uh first eight minutes of season I saw, four i saw most i think i saw all of it most of, yeah. it, all of it what do you think it's a uh, a paper boy guy. riding on his route in autumn looking hawkins and we're witnessing events that are happening in September 8th, 1979, and Dr. Brenner, yes, Matthew Modine's uh, character from season one is back. But they didn't they didn't DH him. He still looks older and older. Every time. <laughs> That's he's, a like, thing. he's a great actor, but every time I see him, I still think he's like that 16-year-old right. wrestler. Uh, <laughs> the wrestler, yes. The movie that he did, but like that's right in the eighties. I've seen him in person, but man, it's they should have de-aged him if they're going to show him in nineteen seventy nine. Was he one of the bikers in Breaking Away? I think he was he. Was he? Yeah, probably so. One of the teenage bikers. I got to look that up now. But you're right. In nineteen seventy nine, that's years before the eighties period of when his character was first introduced. Nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty five, somewhere along those lines. So now he looks a little bit. Right, just a little bit to to make it right, Uh, but. uh, I am looking forward to it. Um, it's a big weekend for nerds. If you're a fan of Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you're a fan of um, Stranger Things, um, you know, that they're both dropping. So that's really, really amazing. Um, and uh, pa- as you know, as we mentioned, um, expect long episodes, hour-long episodes, uh, and then, of course, a feature film-length finale for season four as well. So, uh, stranger things of stranger things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard bad things about that though. Just recently. Really? They, 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 it's too long, long and, and slow and boring. That's, I don't know. I mean, these are people have seen it already. 
or do you think? I mean, made... those are, those are the initial re- reviews, I guess. Really, of, I haven't uh, heard that. Whoever okay. seen that? But, <clears throat> All right, because they said that volume two, which is the final two long episodes, will be dropping on July first, where the four the first um, few episodes will drop on May twenty seventh. That's weird. Yeah. Split in two parts, so. Um, yeah. And Umbrella Academy, another another big genre series, uh, returns for season three this summer. Um, of course, they have I saw more of the Sparrow Academy. So as you know, it's a really really cool premise. If you didn't know, it's just um, all these babies were mysteriously born on the same day, same year, same time, all different mothers and one father. I guess one omnipotent father that just miracle miraculously conception uh, all these. Women. I mean, there's. <laughs> Wait, was uh, it like no, 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 no comment, no comment, no comment. I was about to say that's physically impossible. And I'm like, well, uh. I, know. <laughs> I know some baby daddies out there. Right, right. So, uh, so they're gonna meet some of their siblings that are in the Sparrow Academy. So you got the Umbrella Academy, and then you have the Sparrow Academy, which are gonna be the antagonists of the Umbrella Academy. And uh, yeah, the um. The trailer looked pretty good, I gotta admit. Um, you saw uh, your favorite chimpanzee return as well. Um, if you were curious as to whether he had survived uh, the previous season, and all your favorites will be back. Yes, Elliot Page will be Victor. Victor Hargraves, not Anya Hargraves. So, uh, yeah. They are, <laughs> they're, uh, you know, life, uh, I guess, art imitating life. And of course, uh, one show that I'm excited about is Daredevil. Daredevil will get another season on Disney Plus. So that is a canon show, guys. Um, they are hiring Charlie Cox back for Prize's role as Daredevil. And as you know, he made his appearance in Spider Man No Way Home. So that's going to pretty much bring those series to canon. And let's just hope the same was with John Berthold's Punisher and uh, Jessica Jones. And you can forget about Iron Fist. <laughs> See, I'm that weird guy. I, that's like the one of the few I've seen Iron Fist. I'm like, oh, this is kind of good. It's, it's you cheesy. You liked it. Okay. It's, I didn't finish it, but I was like, well, oh, it's cheesy. <laughs> it's okay. It worked I, for you, I didn't huh? even start most of the other ones. So. Yeah. <laughs> Burnthal's Punisher is awesome, though. I'll give him that. See, that's the thing. Now they're on Disney+, Plus. I can finally catch up with them because those are the – Shows that eluded me, and I am a big Marvel fan, and it kind of makes me a kind of a bad Marvel fan for not watching those shows when they drop. But now I can, and now they're all canon. Well, at least Daredevil's canon right now, so that's what they're saying. Um, speaking of uh, Marvel, over on Disney Plus, Loki season two uh, will be coming back for uh, with all the original cast. Um, actually, Tom Hiddleston just confirmed on Jimmy Kimmel Live that it's great having everybody back. So that means all the cast members, um, which, yeah, of course, we just mentioned, uh, Wunmi Misaku from We Own the City. She'll be reprising her role as Hunter B-15. Um, and, of course, um, Owen Wilson, Guga Mbatha-Ra, and uh, Sofia DiMartino as Sylvie uh, will be back. And, of course, I mentioned Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm really looking forward to it. Again, it picks up a decade after the events of Star Wars Episode Three. if you want to know the timeline. And, um, you know, it's crazy because we're seeing, uh, pretty much see, have to visualize 
Obi-Wan Kenobi as Ewan McGregor as Sir Alec Guinness <laughs> within oh. 10 years. So, it's, so, it's confusing. It's like the Tatooine sun has burned him to a <laughs> has aged him <laughs> exponentially, I guess. But uh, it, it was just revealed in the latest featurette that he's going to be Ben Kenobi. So, as you know, they're all trying to wipe out all the Jedi. These, these, this Inquisitor's group that Darth Vader's ordered to through Order 66 to kill off all the Jedi. And because of that, Obi-Wan becomes Ben Kenobi, becomes the life of a hermit, and and hides out in Tatooine, which really makes no sense because everything takes place in Tatooine. <laughs> Book of Boba Fett, the Mandalorian, it's like, if you want to hide, where would you go to Tatooine? <laughs> because it seems like the popular planet uh, in Star Wars lore. You know, Why would you hide there? But it is a desert, so why would anyone want to go to the desert anyways, right? <laughs> which kind of makes sense um uh, let's see over on hbo max um well in addition to we own the city of course make sure you check out the finale right episode six but uh fantastic beast three will be streaming next week so if you missed it in the theater you get the chance to see it and i love that hbo max still has the association with the major blockbusters that are warner brothers films because we kind of got that treat of getting the movies right away during the, the pandemic. But now of course they want to do the theater run and then bring it over to HBO max, but still nonetheless, really, really cool. Number 13 on the list kind of hits close to home guys, because Lupita Nyong'o has departed lady in the lake. <laughs> Apple TV. What's up uh, with that? Yeah. What is up with that? They, I guess there was really no reason there's um, got to be a reason. Did they just go in a different direction? <laughs> they just went in a different direction. She wasn't good enough. She she did a few days. They said, this isn't working out. You're fired. Now, one of you mentioned that, that her character is, is dead. Yeah, I, you know, I'm halfway through the book. Okay. Um, I slowed down because I wasn't booking the show. But um, <laughs> maybe I'll get back to it. Or maybe I'll loan Victor my copy. Anyway, <laughs> um, but the point is, it's, yeah. It's it's all about the the Natalie Portman character and the right. other woman is dead. I'm like, what this? Unless it's There's a got, great adaptation, it's kind of a weird yeah. part. I mean, she's dead, so they were just <laughs> yeah. see an actress walking away from that. Did she Would maybe think she wasn't challenged enough before? because she's just standing still the whole time? No, <laughs> it's you know, she's like, lying there the whole time. I was in the lake. nominated for an Oscar. And I'm just laying on my deathbed. You know, I don't know, whatever you know, reasons that she has. But no real reason, uh, I guess, in the, the the news that was dropped as to why. But um, I'm curious who, the, who they're going to replace. Because obviously this is going to delay production, I'm guessing, yes. I heard a rumor. I don't know if it's true, so I won't say it on the air. But oh, I, wow. I think I know who they're replacing her with. Oh, wow. Well, rumor from insiders or that something you Kind of from somebody who might have heard from somebody. It's uh, all rumor. okay. I, I won't okay. say. On You'd that. rather not mention it yeah. now, but uh, maybe off air we can. <laughs> <laughs> um, off air. Also on Apple TV, Speed Racer. They're going to do a live action Speed Racer, as you know. They did the movie with Emil Hirsch a few years ago, but uh, this one has J.J. Abrams attached and Bad Robot. Um, <laughs> so it's in good hands. So it's based on the Speed Racer property. Um, so curious to see how that will do. I mean, J.J. Abrams is, is great uh, with the projects that he, he produces. So we'll just have to wait and see on that one. And no casting yet for that one. Um, but they have cast a role for uh, one of my favorites, Nev Campbell, who I 
have uh, got to hang out with uh, many events and uh, rap parties and on set of House of Cards. But uh, Nev Campbell uh, joined the Twisted Metal series adaption at Peacock. Um, So Anthony Mackie, Stephanie Beatrice, Thomas Hayden Church. Um, And it's based on the popular PlayStation video game franchise. So uh, probably have to tune into that. It's a comedy show, so doing a comedy take on on that video game, which is an interesting take on it, I guess. Um, But yeah, Nev Campbell's fantastic, so I'll have to wait and see for that one. Number 15, big Saturday Night Live news. They're, They're losing four major cast members. Did you hear about this? Yeah. Pete Davidson, A.D. Bryant, Kate McKinnon, and Kyle Mooney um, have all uh, decided to, to call it quits after the 47th season. <laughs> and, um, you know, you know, I, I can see Pete and Kate because they've have they have so many projects outside of Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I mean, Pete is just known for dating beautiful women and, and <laughs> women in the spotlight. Kate McKinnon was recently in the Tiger King series on Peacock. Um, Andy Bryant and, and and Kyle Mooney. I mean, although they're very talented, um, I mean, then again, they've been with the show for quite some time. But I think it's a huge loss for SNL to lose all those. I, you know, I kind of stopped watching. Um, Except I, the episodes you're in, right? Yeah, I I did <laughs> I did a sketch with Andy Bryant. So there you go. I watched that. Yeah, how cool! Um, how cool she's, yeah, and she had a series, right? Shrill. So she's she's she done did. some stuff. She Kyle did. Mooney's great. I don't I can't recall what he's done off the top of my head, but you know, he probably just wants to see what's out there. He's a young while he's young before he's washed up. Go That's try to you don't get a do, career going. You don't want to be washed up when you do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, you know, Pete Davis had had a, a really cool parody rap music video, and, and Eminem made an appearance at the end, which is ironic because I don't know, that you thought that was cool. Well, <laughs> I thought it was cool that Eminem was ripping on Pete Davidson. <laughs> and considering that Pete Davidson is best friends with um, Eminem's mortal enemy and, and Machine Gun Kelly. Oh, they hate okay. each other. But yet, wow. you know, he was in the, in the Forgot About Lorne featuring Eminem uh, music video, which was pretty Painful cool. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then uh, Kate McKinnon had a creepy uh, alien abductee scene, and she had a tearful send-off in the cold open, which is like the opening uh, skit on SNL. And she got taken away by aliens, so it's kind of like uh, meta, you know? Mm. It's her uh, send-off from, uh, you know, <laughs> from SNL. Um, so I'll miss Kate McKinnon on SNL. Yeah, I really will. She, is she was super talented. I mean, I actually super thought she talented. already left, but whatever. Just because yeah. she's one where it's like you've done everything. What more are you going to do on this show? They had a crappy Ghostbusters movie. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, <sighs> we wish. I mean, you know, it, it's it's a, it seems like a time-consuming schedule to yeah. to be a part a full-time cast member of, of SNL. So I can imagine because their careers are taking off other places. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame them. As soon as soon as you get big enough that you're going to be booking these other roles, I mean, that's it's natural for that cast. It's natural to break apart. Why would you stay? Exactly, exactly. Um, number sixteen. Um, I guess the throw it out. American Idol crowned a new winner. Um, Louisa, Kentucky native Noah Thompson, 
Um, he sealed the deal with his performance of Bruce Springsteen's I'm on Fire and uh, beat off fellow country artist Hunter Girl. Interesting name, Hunter Girl. Um, <laughs> uh, I tuned in a little bit, you know, uh, American Idol kind of, uh, I was a fan earlier uh, when it was kind of, when everybody was watching when Simon Cowell was just ripping into people and he get, he gave no fucks. Uh, I mean he he couldn't he couldn't get away with what, what he said now, what what he said then now in today's politically correct climate because I remember Simon Cowell uh, there was this really overweight singer and and he said something along the lines of I think we're going to need a bigger stage. <laughs> I was like <laughs> and I remember him saying that I'm like. Wow, he could not. You could not in today's climate. You cannot get away uh, with that, a comment like that today, you know. And I think that's when I, I really liked American Idols when uh, you know <laughs> all that controversial and, and Simon just you know being brutally, brutally honest. Yeah, probably critique my auditions. Tell me how bad I am. <laughs> the ones that I'm bad at, legitimately bad at. All right, almost done this list. Number 17, uh, we have some more news on Dave Chappelle and the attack uh, from the Netflix is a joke festival. We have a motive now. So the assailant, as we mentioned on the show, is Isaiah Lee, and apparently he now revealed his reason for attacking Dave Chappelle. He says, I identify as bisexual, and I wanted him to know that what he said was triggering. Um, I wanted him to know that next time he should consider first running his material by people it could affect. Okay. Um, I, he said, I told him my mother and grandmother who fought for civil rights to be able to speak would be upset at the things he said. Really? Are you going to attack the man on stage? Granted, he got beat the fuck up. His uh, he got arrested for attacking his roommate days after that incident. Exactly. And he has an attempted murder charge against his roommate as well. So, uh, yeah. Um, but that's the thing, man. It's like he's already he's alienated that, that, that marginalized group already, the transgender community, some of the LGBT community. And um, apparently he felt a little bit of that when John Mulaney um, had Dave Chappelle join him on stage for an unannounced set in Columbus, Ohio. So apparently yeah. – a lot of the LGBT community were, were upset because they paid for John Mulaney. They didn't expect to see Dave Chappelle, and they don't like Dave Chappelle because of the comments or the jokes that he made, supposedly. And, uh, you know, Dave Chappelle's not the only one. He is not the only one. Ricky Gervais, who's one of my favorite comedians because the guy tells it like it is. If you ever seen um, the Golden Globes uh, monologue? Ricky Gervais was the first one to call out Harvey Weinstein before he got in any trouble. Wow. And he was like, he's one of those brutally honest comedians. And he made some jokes about the trans trans community. Uh, he said, women, not all women. I mean, old fashioned women, um, the ones with wombs, um, those dinosaurs, those are the ones I love. Um, they're great, aren't they? The new ones, well, they have beards and cocks. They're as good as gold. And now the old-fashioned, uh, the old-fashioned uh, women say, "Oh, they now want to use our toilets. Why shouldn't they use our toilets for ladies?" Um, you know, I don't know. Um, what this person isn't a lady. Well, his penis, his penis, you effing bigot. Um, anyways, he goes on and on, um, and um, you know, it's a thing. I think 
the trans community, granted, you know, um, they they're very very sensitive, and um, and I think because they're so sensitive, any joke is gonna really offend them. Granted, many marginalized groups have been, um, you know, have been have been the the butt end of a joke before, you know. Um, but uh, I, I, yeah, it just seems like you just can't make make jokes about that group, you know. Um, I don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Wait, were you just quoting Gervais, or were you quoting who were you quoting? That was this? Gervais. Oh, that was Gervais. Okay. Gervais saying uh, old fashioned women with with wombs. Yeah. Technically, <laughs> technically, I can't say anything bad about anybody, any group, or anything. Technically. Right. For, for, because of my employer, which is kind of weird. And, and I asked somebody, I said, what about criminals? Am I allowed to say criminals are bad? Or will criminals get mad and file a complaint of me that I right. said that they're bad? Like, can <laughs> I, I have say, rights too. Can I say a convicted murderer is a bad person? Right. Or <laughs> am I not allowed to uh, uh, Allegedly. Type? No. no, no, convicted. Am I not allowed to convicted. say convicted murderers are bad people? Because that's a right. group of people that I'm calling bad Right. Anyway, you just triggered you just triggered me. <laughs> and we don't want to be adding a lot of stuff out of the show like we had to do before. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> um, oh wait, so Austin St. John, the original Red Power Ranger from the Mighty Morphin Power Ranger, arrested on wire frauds conspiracy charges stemming from an alleged COVID nineteen business relief loan scheme. I saw that. I did see that. What a scumbag. It's happening to a lot to a lot of people. There's a lot of celebrities, a lot of business owners that are that are doing that. I'm I'm wondering like who who thinks they can take all this money that the government was throwing at people, and like no one's gonna like ask questions. You know, and the government said that they're gonna look into all these cases. So like shame on anybody for like taking all this money and it's it was supposed to go to keeping your business running and to right. employees that you're like letting stay at home and without working. You know what I mean? so, so, so he was part of a group that received 16 loans yeah. and at least 3.5 million in total, which they allegedly spent on personal purchases rather than using the loans for the intended purpose. And if convicted, he faces 20 years in federal prison. Wow. wow. All right. Number 18 on the list, the Me Too um, scumbags. Uh, Josh Duggar, who was on the TLC reality series 19 Kids and Counting. Sentenced for more than 12 years for possession of child pornography. Um, this guy's a scumbag because apparently he even molested his own sisters, his own younger sisters. So, um, yeah, the, that is pretty fucking scumbaggy. Um, disgusting. Um, so, uh, is 12 years enough? I don't know. Um, also, one of the producers of the film Atomic Blonde, David Gilead. Apparently, uh, to stand trial for sex assault charges, more than 20, 20 felony charges for crimes against six women um, who said they were assaulted or raped. Um, charges include rape, kidnapping for rape, and rape of a drug person. Wow. Um, crazy. Um, and speaking of crazy, number 19 on my list is more from the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, which we like to – throw out as uh, i think they're wrapping up this week but uh again johnny depp who, who we didn't think was going to take the stand took the stand again today um and just reiterated that he um he uh, denied any violence towards his ex-wife amber heard 
um, who shit the bed. <laughs> we mentioned earlier. She um, and he called the ongoing defamation case, um, her testimony, rather, in the ongoing defamation case, insane and horrible. Um, so, uh, yep, he said, it's insane to hear the heinous accusations of violence, sexual violence, that she's attributed to me. Horrible, ridiculous, humiliating, humiliating, ludicrous, painful, savage, unimaginable, brutal, cruel, and false. All false. He says he's not perfect. None of us are perfect, but he's never committed sexual battery or physical abuse. Um, it's crazy because it's, I mean, well, one thing that has worked in his favor is Kate Moss, um, who was one of the um, Calvin Klein supermodels of the 90s, who Johnny Depp dated from 94 to 98 and asked about uh, the alleged um, stairs incident where he allegedly threw her down a flight of stairs. Uh, but they were able to get Kate to witness stand and she denied any of that was true. She said no. Um, she said she slipped in the downpour and that Johnny actually rushed back to help her. So no, no, that was not true. Um, as rumors, um, you know, started that that johnny depp pushed her down the stairs at a resort in jamaica mm. and um i guess it was a wise uh, thing to get her um to testify um and of course uh you know johnny depp tried a motion to dismiss the amber heard's counterclaims because amber wants to counterclaim sue johnny for for 100 million and johnny depp is only suing for 50 million so um ruling that the issue could be the, should be decided by the jury and uh yeah let, let's uh let's see what see what happens you know i think it's gonna wrap up on friday you know and uh you know uh, amber heard i mean she claims to have lost a lot but uh you know you have to think you know was she on the same career trajectory as like a jason Mars and dad because they were comparing her career to those some of those other actors and you know Amber never really led a superhero movie on her own. You know, of course, she was supporting role as Mara. And apparently, she had to fight to, to keep her role as Mara. And there's a lot of controversy because she kept the role where Johnny was just dropped from Pirates of the Caribbean, you know, yeah. uh, Fantastic Beasts. So a little bit of a double standard. But then, you know, Amber Heard is saying that her role was, was significantly cut down, much, much, much shorter than mm – -hmm. um, than you know what we've seen um and she actually um had talked talked about some of the things that that affected her career because you know that's one of the the um johnny's uh, lawyers are trying to argue that amber wasn't affected but amber said you know yeah not only was she cut from um you know her scenes cut down shorter in aquaman 2 um she had to stay away from dc fandom and all those um press events promoting the movie mm. um and also she's not gonna be in the poster uh for aquaman too supposedly jeez ah, yeah right Ooh. a love interest of aquaman not on the aquaman 2 poster is she only known i didn't see aquaman one what is what is she even known for other than that other than aquaman you know she she was in the pineapple express you know she's oh that's right that uh uh, she's she's had a great a few great movies. Um, and yeah. uh, she was in The Stand. Oh, okay. It's called The Stand. You know. Um, other than mess. that, you yeah, know, um, freaking mess. 
it's it's it, it's a it's a circus act, but I'm enjoying. Yeah. I'm enjoying watching it very much. So I mean, I think the bottom line is it, it was a terrible toxic relationship, but she was the one who wrote the op-ed, and it clearly caused Johnny a lot more damage. So he's like, "Well, if you're gonna do that to me, you're gonna suffer too. We're right. we're both gonna suffer here." Which you know, I I can't blame him for that. I mean, yeah. Even yeah, if it's Kaplan. petty, I mean, he has a point. I mean, the number of projects that dropped him, it was ridiculous. Ridiculous, yeah. So we're going to find out the, what the jury decides. And curious to see how the the verdict will affect both of their careers. <laughs> so we'll have to wait and see for that. All right, so the last thing on my list uh, ties into a tragedy that actually made me break down and cry. Uh, and I'm saying this as a man. Um, uh, and... It's uh, CBS pulled the final episode of FBI, um, which that's had, what made you break down and cry. It wasn't that, oh. but uh, well, it's, they they decided to pull that episode because of the horrific shooting that took place in Uvalde, Texas, where um, eighteen students or yeah, sorry, I just them. really it's really hard to, to say this, but uh, yeah, eighteen students, two teachers. Uh, uh, it's just it's just one of those horrific things you know i think about my friends who are parents and I, although i'm not a father myself I, i'm a happy you know I, I have a great relationship with my, my nephew and my, my my cousin's kids and, and i think about those kids and how 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 great i mean just think it could be any random school that some fucking psychopath could come in and shoot up a whole bunch of kids man yeah uh, fourth graders man just just 10 year old kids um Appropriately enough that the theme of this FBI episode had to do with Jeremy Sister's character um, about uh, a massive gun heist. Um, and they decided, because of the nature of that episode, to pull that episode from airing due to uh, the shooting, um, yeah. the massacre, if you will, of complete bloodshed. And, you know, Matthew McConaughey's from Uvalde, Texas, if you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I correct, I correct myself, that was 19 students uh, and two educators, two teachers that had died. Um, and, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey said, as, a, as you are, are aware of the mass shooting, this time in my hometown of Evaldi, Texas, once again, we have tragically proven that we are failing to be responsible for the rights our human freedoms grant us. Um, True call to action now is for every American to take a longer and deeper look in the mirror and ask ourselves, what is that we truly value? How do we repair the problem? What small sacrifices can we individually take today to preserve a healthier and safer nation state and neighborhood tomorrow? And, um, yeah, those are very, um, very emotional words. And, of course, this this is Matthew McConaughey's hometown commenting on, on that horrific uh, mass shooting in, in Uvalde, Texas. Um, so, yeah, I hate to end the show on a sad note, but, uh, you know, um, we were just talking, and I was just distraught last week talking about the shooting in Buffalo, New York, you know? Mm-hmm. And now here we are, one just one week later, guys, now talking about 19 10-year-old kids and two teachers completely killed um in a, a crazy senseless killing what's going on in the world guys what's fucking going on in the world um you know there's arguments on both sides of how we can curb this issue 
do we have stricter gun control? Do we put more guns in the hands of, of, of you know, employees and, and people to protect their, their schools, their, 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 their places of worship, their, their, their stores, you know? I'd like I'd like some insight uh, in particular in particular from from Victor. Um, I don't know where to where to start. Can you hear me? Because I had to turn off. Yeah, I can mic. hear you. Okay, I don't know if you're going to lose me because my charger's not working yeah. right now. Um, I don't I, I don't know where to start. Um, I, I I'm desensitized to a lot of violence because as a police officer, I've seen a lot of death, and a lot of a lot of stuff over a 24 year period. Right. Um, does uh, it's just like my coping mechanism, because if I wasn't able to cope with it, then I would have PTSD. I wouldn't be able to function. So right. obviously, if it was somebody close to me or my own, you know, my own family, it right. would really, really hurt. But I got to be able to function. I got to be able to think. I got to be able to respond. Right. That's um, just so I don't want it to look like I'm not, um, what do you call it, uh, empathetic. But there's so many, you know, I, I tend to slide on like the conservative scale. Um, I'm, I'm a big proponent sure. of uh, right to bear arms, but I also believe in uh, some. I've had this discussion with other people. I do believe in some like common. They call it common sense. Um, you know, uh, um, gun uh, regulations or yeah, yeah, uh, common sense gun regulations. You, you know, and and start with the obvious as far as like uh, mentally ill, to, you know, prior domestic violence, any prior conditions of felonies and stuff like that. And it, remember, I mean, there's, there's a whole lot to unpack on this, but as far as like the red flag laws, where like if somebody's worried about your, you know, your behavior and what you're texting and what you're posting on Facebook, people should be able to call the police and, and or, or, you know, get a judge to agree that the police officer should just take your guns from you. Right. So like that's kind of like a tricky area, you know, because somebody saw what you posted and, 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 you know, you made a, like a vague thread of something else. Like, but I can tell you, like, we've been doing that for years. I've been doing that for 24 years. Like if I take someone to a hospital, I'll take their guns. You know, there was no red flag laws. That's just like part of our protocol. And we'll give it back to you after you pass, you know, the, the checks to get it back or whatever. But I mean, uh, 19, 19 children, though, Victor. Does no, that, I, I know. Does that have I, a different level of? Uh... I mean, it's it's a separate, it's a separate but similar. Um, it, it's 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 a. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer other than um, if you ask a typical, if you ask any police officer, like, what do you think should be done about like gun violence? Um, the most common answers you're going to get back, uh, you know the top top couple answers are going to be we need to enforce the laws we have um, because I can tell you police officers are tired of making ar arresting the same people over and over again because it's recidivism. Now, this person was probably different being an 18 year old, I believe. Right. Um, but, years old, no prior record. Right. But bought it you, legally. Bought the gun but legally. Exactly. Well, that's and the problem easily. right there. He bought yeah. for his 18th birthday yeah. two AR-15s. And why should that be allowed why should, well, I, wouldn't yeah, trust, should have, I wouldn't trust an honor student with two ar-15 right assault rifles yeah. what the hell i think but the problem is that problem age is, of 25 or something yeah i guess yeah well it's not a problem it's it's the it's the right right to bear arms shall not be infringed so and then but look at in this, order to like, maintain well we know but see, this is why people argue about this there's the right? whole you got to say the whole thing 
in right. order to maintain a well-regulated militia. The word "well-regulated" right. is in there. I mean, and then, right. and then how and how do you de- how do you interpret that? So how does how does the District of Columbia interpret right to bear arms? They interpret it as you have no right to bear arms. But in New Mexico, the right to bear arms means you can have it on your hip out in the open. You can have it in your car. Right. In Louisiana, you can have it in your car because it's considered an extension or dwelling. So all these states, I've worked in a state where you have a right to have a gun on you or in your car, and I could stop you, and you would tell me or you wouldn't tell me, and, and it would be no big deal. But yeah. if you do that in Maryland, it's a you know a felony you're getting arrested. So it's different interpretations of, of the law. And to me that you know, there's so many different issues, but yeah, how do you interpret right to bear arms? And, and, but that's what I'm saying. Like, I think most people can come up with, you know, can meet somewhere as far as like what, what, what people should not be be able to purchase firearms. And then not only that, because you could still, people could steal them and find them. But what we need to do, like we have no uh, like capital punishment, like in any, any state, basically, I mean, they're like Texas and Florida, but you know, I'm a big proponent of the death penalty. So if, if somebody kills someone and they're, they're convicted, I think they should. And not only that, I think they should be televised. Um, oh, if, wow. Yeah, because if you televise it and, and every state does it, the crimes of passion and the violence from crimes of passion may not necessarily go down. But like these these ones where I'm going to commit a robbery with a loaded gun and then if I get scared and someone walks in on me and I'm going to shoot him and kill him. Well, they might think a little bit differently about doing that armed robbery now with a loaded gun. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, more than half of our society doesn't believe in the death penalty. And and if if we're not if if people aren't scared of going to jail for their whole life or for for being, you know, um, sentenced to death, then like, how are we deterring? And then we're letting them out as a police officer. If I'm running someone for warrants and I'm checking the license and they come back with a prior conviction for homicide, I could tell you that 20, 20 years ago, I would see that. And I would look around like, the, like how, how does this person have a prior conviction? for? And they're, I'm talking to them. If you have a prior yeah. conviction for a homicide, you would think the person would be in jail for the rest of their life. And right. even a life sentence is only 30 some years. Yeah. So what happens is people age out of crime. They age out of crime. They're in their crime prone years of 20s and 30s or 40s or whatever. But when they're in their 50s and 60s, most uh, people are going to age out, age out of crime um, and, and violent crime. Not always. Um, but, right. yeah, like like you kill someone, you should you should be sentenced to death or you should never see the light of day. So, Agreed. I mean, we could start there. But like this, this case is, is a little bit different. But most cops will tell you, like, you know, enforce the laws we have. The other thing is like crimes of passion. You're not going to be able to stop like a domestic violence homicide you can you try to inter- stop yeah i mean this, here's you the can thing. try to intervene but you know you can't but you look stop at other, people but you other can other countries will have yeah. the same like we'll have homicides by knife like knives are illegal in like europe and it was like you can't have right. any type of knife like they were confiscating like they were putting stuff out on the table like look at all the uh you know like the butter knives we confiscated you know like and, and americans are like are you serious right. but so you know, so they're, you know, they're addressing their issues. Um, but I agree, like ours are the AR-15 with, you know, 30 rounds. It's different than a, a you know, butter knife cutting. But, right. you know, these other countries have problems with violence. And it's it, 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 um, just knock it down. I mean, the, the sad truth is if yeah. that same guy did the same thing 
and he had a handgun. I don't know how many rounds are in a clock. Yeah, no, what I, is I, it? I eight rounds? Like it, it would still would have been terrible. Not as right. terrible. So it's like yeah. you gotta well, he, do something. I did, I don't know if he had an AR. Did, did they say I haven't? I don't remember what he brought in. Attention. But yeah. I can tell you, if it was a handgun, he reloaded because if he had nineteen rounds, or he killed nineteen people, right? So he yeah. he had a handgun, which means he he reloaded, and so like. Everyone's thinking about how horrible it is, and I obviously it's horrible. And I'm thinking more of a tactical sense. I'm thinking he went into a classroom and he shot at least 19 people, which means he had time to reload, which means um, he's reloading and kids are still screaming and hiding. I mean, I it's it's crazy visual to think. Oh, of. it's it's, it's just like the, like the Pulse nightclub shooting in massacre. That was it, one of the worst. He, the guy washed his hands, was reloading, talking, giggling in the bathroom with people hiding, scared for their lives. Like, like, and it, 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 like as a tactical mindset, I'm thinking if this guy's washing his hands, now it's probably you, we all watch movies, but now's the time I should break out of the the stall yeah. and attack them and jump them. But these are these are kids, so yeah. like if he already shot and killed the adults, kids, you know, they're they're so innocent they don't know. Um, so yeah, he, he either reloaded or he had an AR. Um, yeah. But one I, I don't post. know. You know, one more thing I want to say, and it's kind of a crazy <laughs> thing. But back in the day, we used to go after family um, as responsible for for stuff, and they kind of did with the parents that let this one kid go back to school. They actually charged them with murder. Now, I don't know if that's appropriate to charge parents with murder for what their kid does. Accomplice. But it's, right? yeah, but but you know, we need to start holding parents um, more accountable. Um, you know, either civilly, criminally, or, or something, because they used to do that, you know, thousands of years ago across the world in different communities, and we've gone away from that. Like, like parents are like, oh, I don't know, Johnny won't listen to me. And, 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 and as a police officer, I think, really? Like, if you're the parent and you're just saying your hands are, you're tied, you can't control Johnny anymore, well, then now it's my job to control Johnny, and I'm the police officer. And it's not my job. It's the parent's job, whether or not he's 17 or 18 or 19. So it's too easy for parents to just distance themselves. And it's frustrating, and I get it. We have people that are mentally ill, and they're related to cops. And, and cops will be like, oh, I, I can't deal with it anymore. I just call the cops. So like cops are telling the cops to deal with their relatives. Wow. Like like relatives need to deal right. with their, their mentally ill. Uh, um, you know, And then they need to be held responsible. What's know? the thing? Uh, this this killer I, I won't mention his name 18 years old kid yeah. what didn't have any mental health issues didn't have any criminal background so passed the background check yeah was 18 so he could legally purchase a gun um which i feel that the age should be a little older for that and uh and one thing i felt like would be a a, a solution possibly is to mandate either a security guard or a police officer during the school hours to be present yeah. at it's every not... single school. Yeah, yes and no. I, like I was a school resource officer at a middle school. Um, okay. I believe my personal opinion is uh, we should have police officers in high schools. I don't believe uh, they're, they're necessary in, in middle schools. I think it's um, like, I don't want to say an over, overaction, overreaction, but uh, I just don't, you know, I was in a middle school and like I'm breaking up, you know, fights from bullies and, and like, that, you know, that's a job for like a guidance counselor. OK. And, and, t and teachers need to do their job. But like right. 20 years ago, we didn't have we didn't have cops 
in, in elementary schools. And we had this okay. shooting. We've had other shootings in middle schools, but I don't. So what's next? You're going to have cops in kindergarten or in second grade or third grade. But so yeah, these like, kids I are say, in fourth grade. Yeah. Yeah. I say split the difference. Have cops, but only in high schools, um, not not in middle schools. Teach these teachers. I've had teachers come up to me in middle school and tell me that I need to go arrest a kid because he's disrupting a class. Like I'm not coming into your class and arresting Johnny because he's misbehaving. Like that's your job as a teacher to try to address right. that or send them home or grab the parents or whatever. But like, um, and, and then it, I, I get it. And it makes you proud to, to say, you know, parents are going to, you know, retired cops are now going to work the school and volunteer. And we're going to have, you know, more cops or, or parents, and like military standing by and standing guard, like, but, you know, is that going to prevent stuff? And is it an overreaction? And how, and, and te- you know, the logistics of that are just insane. Um, so I say like, you know, you can have armed security, you can have police officers right. At, right. At, 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 at high schools, um, but I don't, you know, see them in, in middle schools. And um, yeah. well, you know, I mean, the, I the last, deadliest school shooting was sandy hook in 2012 and that was also an elementary school yeah so uh but yeah as we close the show definitely want to give um, a shout out to to the victims the 19 uh kids children if you will and the two teachers that that died at the elementary the rob elementary school in uvalde texas uh rest in peace to all 21 of them uh, 19 19 kids and two teachers. Um, and we've lost a couple other actors. Ahmed Beneza, Algerian actor and comedian, um, who actually died before his film premiered at the Cannes Film Festival. Imagine you you produce a film and, you know, although you're terminally ill, and then four hours before his film premieres, he passes away. So he was scheduled to be uh, at this uh, premiere at the Cannes Film Festival uh, last Friday and oh. died at the age of 78. So couldn't even let the man watch his film at, uh, on the big screen. Uh, they yeah. had to take him a little earlier. That's pretty sad. Also sad that um, a swimmer turned uh, TV anchor and presenter uh, known for hosting uh, advertorials. I don't even know if that was a word, advertorials. On Studio 10, uh, TVSN passed away over the weekend. Her name was Erin Jane Plummer uh, at the age of 42. Um, So rest in peace. Um, And, of course, with death, we have to celebrate life for those uh, celebrating a birthday today. Include actor Anne Robinson from War of the Worlds at 93. Sir Ian McKellen of Lord of the Rings. Happy birthday, Ian. That's 83. Mike Myers. And I know you have something to do with uh, Austin Powers, don't you, Vince? Uh, he's 59 today, right? <laughs> That's true. An occasional impersonator over here. Yes. Happy birthday, Mike. And Hayes is 53. Happy birthday, Anne. Jamie Kennedy is 52. Octavia Spencer is uh, Jamie Kennedy as well. is all of 52. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> all of 52. <laughs> have you met him? <laughs> no, but he looks all of 52. All of 52, right? <laughs> he's, he's starting to age. I know. Yeah, you can't play those younger roles like we all can. Right? <laughs> uh, actor Aaron Hayes from Kevin Can Wait is 46. And they did her dirty, by the way. Aaron Hayes was in Kevin Can Wait. And they said, oh, for ratings, we're going to bring back Leah Remini. And we're going to kill off your character. Talk mm-hmm. about the most disrespectful thing you could do to an actor. 
is uh, to write out a character. Mind you, you, you could have kept her character and Leah Remedy's character in this in this show, which ended up flopping and getting canceled anyways. But nonetheless, talk about just a shitty way to be treated. Anyways, happy birthday, Aaron. She's 46. Um, and uh, Ethan Suplee from My Name is Earl. And he was the guy that was trying to find that sailboat. All rats, which we talked about in the show. He's 46 today. Those are birthdays today. So, wow, that concludes an amazing uh, Below the Belt show. Uh, we laughed. We cried. We shared some uh, great insights uh, in the world of uh, auditioning and acting. And uh, we'd like to thank, of course, our panel. Uh, for first, first, those that have already left the building, actor Ken Arnold. That was cool. Yeah. He is a uh, he's a DMV legend, someone that uh, a lot of us look up to in the industry. He's had quite a lot of success in the industry that we love, all of us. And of course, to my buddy Art Hall, uh, the multi-talented Art Hall. Uh, thanks, Art, for joining us with your uh, great and uh, very funny insight in the world of entertainment. And of course, the guys remaining with us on the panel. That's right, actor extraordinaire Billions. You can see him in Endgame. You see him in Good Lord Bird. <laughs> you can see him in Wonder Woman 1984. The list goes on and on. Am I missing it? Oh, the Food to Build America. Vinnie Mac, Vince Eisenson. <laughs> of course, that's right. Your friendly neighborhood Leo and actor extraordinaire Victor Dobro. Thank you for joining us here on Thank TV. You. I'm Al, Celebrity Soto, your host with the most. Um, the show we posted after uh, my screening of uh, the 48-hour film project, The House Guest, but uh, we look forward more. to having some friends in attendance, and uh, it's going to be a Tonight. lot of fun. Support independent film, 48-hour film project. And yes, before we end tonight's show, another pre-recorded interview from uh, the Purple Carpet of the Creative Coalition. This one's a big one, guys. From DC's Legends of Tomorrow, Smoking Hot Blonde. Um, you know her as uh, the White Canary, Laurel Lance uh, from DC's Legends of Tomorrow. She's also going to be directing an upcoming episode of The Flash. Katie Lots. I got to talk to Katie Lots for a little bit on the carpet. So that interview is closing out tonight's show, guys. It's been an amazing show from top to bottom. We will see you guys next week. And hope everyone has a great holiday weekend. And we will see you next time. So on behalf of everybody on the panel, we'll see you next week. Until then, peace. Peace out. All right. We're here with the beautiful Katie Lotz from DC's Legends Tomorrow. Hello. Hello. Welcome to talk with us here. I'll click on this. Hey, what's up? Now, of course, uh, we're all here about the arts. This is the Creative Coalition, the Right to Bear Arts. Very important organization that we love. Tell us how the arts were important to you. I mean, it's how I live. I, I am nothing without the arts. And, you know, we're really excited to come here today and uh, just make sure that we, we don't sleep on it. And, you know, the arts always is something that seems like it's this extra thing. Like it's a, it, but it's it's vital to everyone. And I know, I mean, for me, it was the only reason I went to school was the, the chance to go to dance class. And I, I did choir and the, the National Endowment for the Arts, the funding goes to, Every single district, all over, and it's not—it's not about supporting artists like us. Um, We—we're okay. We—we've got the stuff, but this is about getting the money to, to make sure that we keep arts in schools. And so, you know, some little.
little girl that was like me who saw a dance performance at the local street fair and has the opportunity to join that. And for me, that's what gave me the confidence to kind of uh, find a community, friends, and people I could connect to, step outside of my comfort zone, and you know, it gives you just a different way of thinking about the world. And especially right now, it's so important for us to have uh, creative thought on how to solve all the problems that we're facing. You were in show business, I guess, since you were very young, right? Um, I started dancing professionally when I was 17. Okay. Yeah. So from then, what what was the transition to get into acting from there? Well, I uh, came back. I was in a girl band in Europe for a little bit, and I came back. I went on tour with Avril Lavigne, and I remember looking at myself in the mirror, and I had a wig on because she didn't want any other blondes. And so I had this black wig on. I was looking in the mirror, and I had an eye patch because I had an eye infection. And I was looking at myself in the mirror. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? Like, who am I? I need to. I need something different. And that's when I, I started taking acting classes, and then I just fell in love. Awesome. Well, uh, of tomorrow, um, season seven is on now. And uh, is there any news on season eight? Yeah. Yeah. We don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I'm like, don't I don't know what I'm allowed to say, so I don't yeah. know. We're, we're waiting for that green light. I know there's a lot of fans of that show. And uh, your thoughts on possibly featuring yourself or any of your fellow actors from Legends of Tomorrow in the DCEU? Perhaps, what were your thoughts on maybe a crossover movie? Um, well, DC is notoriously not done crossovers with television. They've kept their television universe in films separate, but uh, that also doesn't stop us from doing like a fun, even like TV film, you know, like instead of doing, which is basically what we do when we do those crossovers. We just always have a blast. It's so fun to be able to bring back characters and then visit the other sets, so uh, I'm always down for more crossovers. Awesome. Well, we can't wait uh, to see more of DC Slices tomorrow. And of course, we're here also for the White House Correspondents Dinner. Tomorrow, you're attending the dinner, and you, are you looking forward to any aspects of the dinner or maybe meeting President Biden or anything like that? And I'm like, Biden! Biden, it's me! <laughs> Um, I, I, you know, it's fun to, to mingle with a different industry. So many times we go to industry parties and it's a bunch of actors and there'll still be a bunch of actors there, but also a lot of journalists and politicians and, um, you know, journalism is so important, especially right now. Um, so I'm looking forward to getting to meet a lot of different journalists and yeah, it's fun. Awesome. And any other future projects you'd like to promote? Right now. I just directed an episode of Flash that'll be airing soon. Sweet! A lot of fun. That's awesome! Yeah. How do you like the directing aspect? Uh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's fun. That is awesome. And uh, you actually have an organization that you and some of your fellow actors from uh, Legends of Tomorrow do, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Um, we've been taking a little bit of a break, but it's uh, basically just to support women and people who identify as women to have a place to kind of come together and share their stories. And so we can learn from each other's mistakes. You know, there's so many things that people don't talk about and so it's about opening that up and talking about it and hopefully I'll be able to uh, dive back into that and get get some more time to do it again. Awesome. Well, Katie, if you could uh, let us know who you are and you're on Click on This, which it's covered. <laughs> hey everybody, I'm Katie Lotz and we're here with Creative Coalition and this is Click on This. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.